me. Hey, what is happening, guys? Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Emerald City Podcast. ECP at you here again, folks. Thank you for joining us. We got a very special guest for this very special episode. We're we're kind of at a weird time here, you guys. We're at a time where you look around and it's kind of tricky to understand exactly what's going on. There's a lot of reasons to be pessimistic and seems like there's some reasons to be optimistic as well. It's tough to know which way to go right now, you know. I feel like on the COVID front, I feel like we're getting a lot of good news. You got uh, the UK uh, lifting all their restrictions, no masks, no vaccine passports, no nothing. We talked about this on the show. Uh, that's definitely good news. There's no question about that. And you got to think that's going to put pressure on the United States and other places in the world to do the same thing. But then you see some of these economic numbers and, uh, you know, the more pessimistic side starts to reveal itself. It seems like we might be at a tipping point here as far as that goes. So it's tough to say, but very special episode for you. Special guest, my cousin, uh, Seth Clemens, one of my favorite people to chat with, uh, is in the house with me talking. They're making a big move. They're moving uh, cross country, heading over to the East Coast, packing up and moving out. And uh, I got to tell you, each day that passes here, I do not blame them. You know, uh, I love this state. Washington's been good. This has been my home my entire life at this point, you guys. But uh, the reasons for me to stay here are just slowly evaporating day in and day out. You know, I love my friends. I love my family. Those people are amazing to me. But at the same time, you get up, you move, you go somewhere else. Those people are all still your friends, and they're definitely all still your family. It's just a little tougher to get that face-to-face -face time with them. But, you know, with technology and whatnot, you still can get some kind of FaceTime, at least. So, definitely something I've been considering. But, uh, yeah, I had a good chat with him. So, um, thank you guys for joining us. Emerald City Podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up, guys. Tell us what you think. Um, let us know if there's an area you think is worth checking out out there. He's heading to South Carolina. I've been looking at Texas, some other places as well. You know, tell me what you guys think. Let me know if there's a secret spot uh, out there that you guys know about, and I promise I won't reveal it on the podcast. And who knows? There could be 20 other people moving in that town for you. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining us, Emerald City Podcast. We appreciate you guys uh, being here, and I hope you guys appreciate this chat as much as I do. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. You guys, uh, guys kind of, you know, a little nervous, a little antsy about... Well, I mean, I guess you consider, considering I've never set foot one day in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
you know, this is your standard move, I think. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, most most people go, hey, I want to move someplace. And you go, well, should I go there first? And you're like, well, that would cost money and take some vacation days. So mm-hmm. instead yeah. of that, I'll just make the what's the place I'm going to live for the rest of my life decision based off of pictures online, which mm-hmm. I think is the safer more sound way to do it. I mean, the internet wouldn't lie about it, you know? No, I mean, come on. Maybe the color is a little off, but... Like, well, and then I see... It's... And it's like most things, you know, you... You want to talk yourself into something, right? It's the easiest thing in the world to do, right? You just do a search as for, why should I move to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? And you'll find about 10 pages. But you could do that same search for, why should I move to... You know Cleveland, Ohio, right? And I'm sure, I'm sure there's got to be at least somebody who wrote an article, <laughs> yeah, on why you should be there. But uh, yeah, the up and coming South South Baltimore. Yes, right. Yeah. So no, well that's hey, that, that's crazy, man. It's but uh, I think that's cool. You know, from everything you showed me, I've heard I've heard some good things. You know, you, you know. Here's okay. Here's what I found out after I made the decision. So this is in the process of, you know, why is everybody moving to the southeast, right? So. First thing I didn't know, well, I guess when you're from Washington State and you go, hey, where are you moving to? You go, South Carolina. Everybody pretty much had the same response, which is, South Carolina? Really? I mean, not not Texas, not Florida? I mean, because that's where everybody else is going to. Yeah. Like, South Carolina. And I thought, yeah, I don't know. That seems like it's a little crazy. Then I looked up online afterwards and I had like, what are the top five states that people are moving to? Mm-hmm. Of course, Texas and Florida are one and two. Three and four will surprise you, though. Number three, Tennessee. Okay. Right? I mean, so Tennessee, it's higher than California. You know, you think, well, where are people moving to? You know, like, you mean, like, Arizona, you know, someplace warm but nice. But you're like, so Tennessee is higher than people moving to, like, California or New York or, yeah. you know, Boston or something, something interesting, right? And then you go, and then number four, South Carolina. Hmm. Okay. Uh, can you what's the what's the largest city that you can think of in South Carolina? Uh fuck. Is Charleston in South yeah. Carolina? Yeah, Charleston. Okay. But even then that's like where do you think the size of Charleston is compared to like any other major like a Chicago or a, an Austin or something like it's not that big. Yeah. So you're like, so wait, so South Carolina's number four in the like the the mo- states people are moving to? Yeah. I think it's just showing you that right now people are going, hey, COVID, work from home, like, I'm going to go work, I'm going to go live someplace warm. So I thought yeah. we were making this decision from by a ourselves. Different home. Yeah, but we were like, it turns out it was me and I guess millions of other people all had the exact same idea at the same time, which is, let's be the first wave right out. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the, the Tennessee doesn't really surprise me. I just know that because the Daily Wire up and moved <laughs> there, yeah, yeah. you know, and I know, I and think Nashville's big name. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of the people, I think a big part of Tennessee particular is the, um, the business environment. Yes. You know, I think yes. they have a friendly business environment there. And so people are like, okay, maybe this is a good chance for us to, you know, turbocharge things and get everything lined up. But, um, yeah, I know that is kind of funny cause they've been dealing with ice storms and stuff and it yeah. like shuts them down, you know, so, mm-hmm. and like you said, you know, if you're going to move somewhere, you think, Oh, let's go to the beach. Let's go somewhere nice where the weather. So not exactly there, but I didn't know about South Carolina. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, and so, all right. So I've been looking at, you know, for the last year and a half, right. So about, you know, Hey, if we could live anywhere, where would we go? And of course it all, it naturally gravitated to the Southeast. Right. And, and honestly, that's where everybody's looking at. 
And I think something that we're about to start seeing is a mass migration out of cities. Because I was thinking about this, right? This is, you know, that um, why do people all live in a congregated, small geographical location? It was always to conduct business. Yeah. Right? You mm -hmm. needed some place where, like, hey, in Detroit, we all need to manufacture cars in a really close location. Yeah. So it starts off with some sort of business need, and then all of the support functions exist there because then people are there. So if you have a bunch of people, then you need restaurants. And if you have restaurants, you need, you need hotels. And if you have, you need housing and you need lawyers and doctors. You see, you have all of the service thing that supports the people being there. But I think something that we're seeing right now is that what happens when businesses no longer need to be in geographical locations, right? And we're going to see this like new wave of right now, it's already happening one by one where businesses are going, we can run our business with people working from anywhere. Yeah. And then suddenly all of those other support functions are going to, they will size accordingly where, you know, right now you're going to see in Redmond uh, Bellevue area, all of these tech people that are going to be released over the next couple of years. You, you know that like 95 plus percent of people who work at like a, at Microsoft, Facebook, right? Google and those areas that they're not from, they're not from the area. Hmm. They would not be here if they didn't have to be. Okay. Yeah. So that's, now, that's true. Yeah. So now they can go live now. All of a sudden, as soon as you say, Hey, you can work from anywhere. Like they didn't choose to be here. They yeah. had to be here. That's true. Yeah. That was, that was a, they were coerced into that decision. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's interesting. And, and, and you just look at the cities, man. And it's like, it, they're falling apart. Yeah. It's literally falling apart. Like there's no real reason to be there at this point. You know, you don't, like you said, you don't have to. And it's one thing when you're like a 22 year old kid to, you know, be in the city where all the actions at and doing mm -hmm. all this stuff. But I think you just get to an age and you're like, this, this is offering me nothing that I want or need here. You know, yeah. like I can get everything else I want. I can have a little more space. I cannot have to deal with quite as many people. And all I got to do is just drive like 45 minutes West, mm -hmm. you know, and that's all you got. And that's it. And you're in a space where you got plenty to go. You got just enough, everything you need and not all of the hoopla and all. And, and these days, all of the negative BS that goes along with it. Oh yeah. You're changing the, uh, what is the deal that living in a city offers you now? Like at one time it was like, hey, you had to be here because that's where the best jobs were. So if you wanted to get paid yeah. a good income, you had to come be in a city in order to get a good job. And then it was worth the hassle. It was worth having to get the public transportation or getting the small little condo so that you could you know work your way up. All right. And then maybe deal with slightly higher crime. Yeah. Right. Now we're seeing crime is skyrocketing mm -hmm. in the cities. And it's across the board, essentially. Yeah. Like, there's nobody that's really safe from it. Oh, I, yeah. I just saw my girl's looking on her phone the other night, and she just saw, oh, somebody got shot in Seattle. And a year and a half ago, two years ago, that you would have heard that maybe two or three times a, a year. There's yeah. a story would hit the hit the news feed, and you'd hear about, no, it's every other week. Oh, yeah. every Maybe every third week. You know? Oh, yeah. You read, I read the high, the high crime areas where you're not supposed to be at night in Seattle. And I read it, I read that and I go, that's where I used to, like in my college years, like, tw you know, a little over 20 years ago, like literally you'd walk there at any time of night. Mm -hmm. No concern. Yeah. And we just, we, those are places where you just park, you'd go, you'd hang out with your friends, you'd walk back to your car. I had, I had no issue walking by my, with myself or a few others. Yeah. And now they're like saying that those are places you should 
Maybe like, avoid the dark alley, but yes. yeah, in general, you know, you felt pretty good about it. But, but now you're like Seattle of all places, mm-hmm. Portland of all places. These places used to be like the the safest, like yeah. most uh, you know, mundane cities, mm-hmm. right? And and now you look at them, and right, and there's this, this this kind of dark, seedy, you know, violent undertone to them, and you're like, man, what is the enticement to want to be here? Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, Portland and Seattle. I mean, they were almost like almost so just milk toast that it was almost like hurt our credibility. You yeah. know, the fact that it was just so boring and dull as far as compared to some of the other cities. And now it's like, Oh no, you'll find something exciting. You know, go downtown. You'll see somebody taking a shit somewhere behind a dumpster or, you know, screaming at somebody that doesn't exist. Yes. It's great. No, it's great. Oh yeah. A couple of years ago, uh, one of my uh, coworkers, they, they, they came to town, right. And they were just, they were checking it out and they had a, uh, their family come fly out with them because they were like, well, let's go down and see Pike Place Market in Seattle and what there is. And uh, so they're walking around and then his mom was like, hey, we want to find something. And she just goes up to a stranger right on the street and says, hey, we're trying to find something. And he was super helpful. He goes, yeah. And he goes, what you want to going to do? You want to go down to first? And he's giving directions. And then they look down and see that he's got a chain kind of going from his like nose, like uh-huh. down to somewhere on his waist. Mm-hmm. And they look down and the other end of the chain is pierced through his penis that's hanging mm. out the front of his jeans. Mm. Okay. All right. I mean, you don't want to lose that. You know? Yeah. Like, you, know, the, you want to make sure you know where that's at. That's a good point. You know, that's how you make sure it doesn't get, you know. He's not stupid. He knows crime's going up. Yeah. So, He's lost it a couple times in the past. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't be too careful. But I, I think I've told this story once on the podcast. But uh, we went down. This is like two years ago. This made my buddy. This is when we were still single and still kind of hitting the scene yeah you know getting in the mix and we took an uber from his house he lives in south lake union and took a short uber five ten minutes and went to belltown which if you had to rank the um you know the smaller neighborhoods in seattle say at one point was definitely one of the better ones maybe not the best but up in the upper echelon and we get out of the uber like two blocks away from the bar we're going to and right as we get out of the Uber, there's a guy in the standing in the corner, and he's doing something crazy, and he's got a gigantic like Bowie knife, like a 12-inch Bowie knife, and he's just standing there holding it. And I'm just like, "Whoa, okay, let's get moving here," you know, like yeah, like technically not being aggressive, but I don't care. You have that in your hand, you could be looking the other direction, and, and yes. you know, it, it's that's still alarming and and concerning. So we're like, "Okay, let's get out of here, go get around the corner," and. Right when we get around the corner, there's a guy that's peeing into a, a plant potter, you know, peeing, and, and I'm just like, and that guy, okay, we were on a couple bars, maybe just some drunk guy who's outside, whatever, so, but it's just like two blocks, and, and this is what we're getting here, two blocks, like, we didn't go around the entire city, Yeah. you know, like, holy cow, we, we the guy let us off a little further than he should have, and we're having to run the fucking gauntlet here, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, and that was two years ago, I, I'm sure it's even worse now. See, I'm just trying to predict what's going to happen to cities. Uh, I think we're going to look back, and COVID started something that I think that a generation from now, we're going to look back and just start to understand the full impacts of what happened. Mm-hmm. For one, cities, Once, as soon as we take away the business need to have to be congregated in an area, it's going to completely change the way in which life is lived in America. There is so much space. Have you ever done like a cross-country road trip? 
not I haven't gone all the way, you know. Okay. I, I mean, it's kind of hard to be honest, but it is. But even going like north to south, even that's you know we're talking like a two day drive. Yeah. On sixty mile an hour freeways. And you see a long time now. We've been a couple of times where we've gone like like north like northwest to southeast, right? And the one thing that you'll see if you do drive across it is that there is just hundreds and thousands of miles of nothing. Like especially if you get off of the freeway, like you go, there is way more land than there are people. And so it's only when you live in a concrete jungle that you start thinking about, oh man, the world's getting overpopulated. Right, because you're just imagining a whole world that looks like your little concrete jungle. Yeah. Right? You, you go driving out about 20, 30 minutes outside of the city, and then you realize that, okay, no, most of the country is farmland, mountain, forest. It's nothing. Right. So you start going, imagine what life will be like when there are not congregated places of millions upon millions of people stacked on each other. Yeah. But everybody's just kind of spread into a bunch of small to mid-sized cities. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly have a feeling that as soon as people are released from that, you're going to see one, like a slowly dying of these metropolis places. Right. And then you're going to see building up of cities that were previously second, third tier cities that suddenly become prime destination spots because climate, quality of life, right? Because you can just choose to be there. You're not forced to be there. Yeah. So I think we're going to start seeing a bunch of cities that previously weren't on our radar, like Charleston's of the world. And you're going to start start hearing of them more and more. And then the old guard are going to start coming down. Yeah. that's Yeah, that's one of the things I hate about the city, man, is any given time you stand anywhere in the city, basically... And within a 500 foot radius of you, there's like 34 people. Oh yeah. Like it doesn't matter where you go. Like within a thousand feet, there's probably always somebody jerking off around you, (laughs) you know, like really it's, and it's, you're just like, you feel smothered, you know, it's, it's like you got your own place, but are you really, is it really private though? Is your, you know, is your, is your apartment that has all glass on one side? Is it really private? Like. I don't know. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right, man. And the funny part about that is when you look at, like, the electoral map. Yeah. I mean, basically, it's basically just the cities, the big cities that, that got Biden elected, yeah. essentially. You know, as far as how people voted. I mean, if, if, if it came down to the land, the land got the vote, it would have been a landslide for Trump. You know? So, it's like, yeah, all those people in those cities, those people all kind of think one way. And you got to start to wonder how much longer are all those people going to have that same opinion and that same view and be thinking that same way. And everybody goes, uh, I've heard a lot of people talk, well, you're going to have all those people in the city. You're going to move down to the South and then they're going to bring all of their, their city thinking down to, you know, these other places. And I thought, you know, it doesn't always work that way. Right. Because I know a lot of people who come in the city, right. And you're just surrounded with, oh, everybody thinks and votes and acts the same way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go to start living in a neighborhood and you're in a small town and there's diversity of thought. And then you start going, oh, this, these people aren't what I was led to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of the Southeast. I mean, on it, when people, you know, people from the city, I mean, they had to be really honest with what they thought about people who live in the South. Right, they're they're pretty obvious that they have a lot of disdain for them. Yeah, yeah, but the but the thing is, is like you said, like do they even know those people? No. Do they even they have, have a any caricature experience? idea of what what yeah, they're like? Exactly, it's a straw man. You know, yeah. it's just something that's been created and put in front of them, and like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. 
But yeah, it, but I think what, as far as what you say, I, I, I agree with that technically. But I think a lot of times if you're going to make that big move, if you're going to get out of the city, yeah. I think you already did enough thinking at that point. You know, So I think the vast majority, 75, 80%, they're going to leave those old ideas behind with him in the city. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, I mean, it is scary. You know, you see everybody going from California to Texas, you know, like, and Texas, if, if the Democrats started winning Texas, like it's a wrap for the GOP basically at oh, yeah. that point. I mean, you're not going to win an election. You, you have to win everything else besides yes. that. There's like, there's no chance. So, but I think for, I think the majority of people, once, once you've made that conscious decision to, cause it's a bold move. Yeah. It's, it's a big move to do that. And even though, you know, you put a lot of thought into it and you really change your views on a lot of things, you're still going, you still have a lot of doubt. You know, you still yeah. go into that situation. You're like, man, I, I mean, this, I think this is good, but What's who knows how like? it's going to work out. Well, I, I read something that had like, when people were listening, what's the number one reason why you're moving? And people always move for, you know, jobs and family and, you know, out of other reasons. And like numbers, I think seven on the list was for politics Right. Or, you know, so that I could be around people, you know, who had, you know, closer to my, you know, worldview and ideas. And right now it's the number one reason. (laughs) And it was by far the number one reason. It's trending on Twitter. It is trending on Twitter. (laughs) More and more people are moving because they're like, the world's going insane. I can't stand to live around people who have such different views on how to organize and run society. Yeah. And so what I think we're going to see, which they haven't been really honest, they haven't been really clear about, because a lot of this this great migration, everybody knows about it. Like, I mean, I know personally about half of the community of people I know who no longer live here. Mm-hmm. And they've all moved in like the last two years. Yeah, It's just kind of blown my mind, which was, the, and these are people whose families were from here for generations. Yeah, And now all of a sudden they've just migrated. And then of course now I'm, I'm the next, I have uh, eight days until <laughs> I'm the next on the statistic. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I've, I've had to watch half my community leave first. And to me, it's blowing my mind. And yet from a, like, it's not a widely held discussion yet, which is, What's driving the migra- migration? Yeah. Where is everybody going to? What's the impact? I think that you're going to see red states get redder and blue states get bluer. Yeah. It's probably. Yeah. I think it's going to move places to even more extreme than what they are now. Yeah. I wonder about the blue states getting bluer, though. I wonder if it's going to be just a higher percentage of blue or yes. the, uh, the total numbers will change. Yeah, I think it'll be because so many people are leaving the cities. You're going to have people who go... I can't stand this way of life leaving. And so what's going to leave uh, until we suddenly change where people start voting based on local politics, right? This is what, this is what baffles me is that you go, okay, how much do national politics run your life versus local politics? Mm -hmm. And so I think most, you know, let's say I'll be generous and say national politics affects you 10% of your life. I think people vote based off of that national politics affect 95, 98% of their life. In other words, when people who live in Seattle, right, their small business could be run over, they could be dealing with local crime and rising property taxes, and yet they'll go vote an entirely democratic ticket because of who they want to win the White House. Yeah. You know, it's like they, they don't give like any really thought to somehow, hey, maybe this isn't working locally, so I should do something different. Even if I'm going to vote, like, so I think it's very rare for you to see someone go, hey, I'm going to vote a red local ticket, right? And I'm going to vote a blue national politic, right? Or vice versa. Yeah. I think people just go, 
I'm red or blue, and then they just vote like yeah. straight down one ticket, one party line. My girl, my girl's uh, boss is actually one example of that. He, exception. Yeah, he's the one rarity. exception to that. He all down tickety votes uh, Republican, you know, local stuff, yeah. any of that kind of stuff. He'll vote Republican, but then when he votes for the governor, he votes for that douchebag Inslee. <laughs> You know, so I'm Kingsley. like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I guess it's kind of balanced, you know, but, uh, and, and he's a businessman. So I think, it's, I, th- I think it's one of those things. I think there's a lot of people who are in denial of their conservative ways. You yes. know, they like have some conservative tendencies and leanings, but they will never admit it. And they don't want to admit it, especially around here. Yeah. You know, when there's, there could be some ramifications oh, for absolutely. it, you know, as, yeah. as socially. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a good amount of people who are in denial about yeah. it. I think the wave, this is just the first wave. I think that the real wave is going to happen in the next year. Mm-hmm. Because, um, so here's what happened about, I mean, I've been waiting pretty much for my tech boss to, like, allow us to work from anywhere. And so I've been working from home, quietly biding my time, right? But the statement had always been, hey, let's just hold off and we're going to go back to work as normal. And it really wasn't until about three or four months ago that suddenly they were like, you know what, screw it. If, uh, you know, as long as your manager's okay with it, you can work from anywhere. Right. And they quietly said that. And the week they said that, my boss's boss moved to Louisiana. The week they said that. The week they said that, (laughs) which I think his wife had been like, I hate it here. It rains all the time. It's gray and cold. We had about three weeks of summer this year. Yeah. Like, and so the moment they said that, she's like, I'm moving back home with or without you. And so I think he, he was like, done. And then my boss, like three weeks later, he bought a house, you know, he down on Lake Taps. Right. So he was like, all right, I'm out here too. So like within less than a month, my, my boss and my boss's boss were gone. Right. They sold their place and left. And that's why I remember I, I was telling Beth, I was like, this is the time. Let's let's pull the trigger now. Let's yeah, just go. yeah, because you don't want to be the ones that have to turn off the lights when you're exactly. you're leaving. Yeah, so and then my team, literally, I announced to my team, "Hey, I'm moving," and I've had like two people on my team who are like, "Hey, so if you're moving, like, show me the list of places you were considering." And they were like, they're like their spouses were at the same thing. They're like, "Yeah, we were we were interested in going too." <laughs> it's just, it's working research? its way down. Yeah, and I and I was like, yeah, so I. And every, every time I've realized that it's the, if you're in a small microcosm, if it's happening to you, it's happening to everyone else. Yeah. And yeah. You're, you're, not, you're not unique everywhere. in that regard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it is. It's, it's crazy, man. And like I said, it's like all the cities. It's like across the board. Because yeah. because people aren't dumb, okay? Everybody wants to think, oh, most people are so – no, people aren't dumb. They can see what's going on around them. Mm-hmm. They get a vibe. They know what this current situation is. And if they're thinking about it at all – they can figure out where the trajectory is as well. And if it's not going in the right direction, eventually most people are going to probably just pull the ripcord. Especially if you're anybody who wants to have kids at some point. You know, again, it's one thing when you're 22 years old and you want to go live down in the city. But anybody wants to start a family at all, why would you you want to do that anywhere near a city? It doesn't make any sense at all. I was watching this video the other day. It was about New York and this guy, he's a business owner, and um, he had this business, but... He didn't re-sign the lease with the guy. He tried to negotiate the price for the building, and the guy wasn't willing to budge with him at all. And so he walked down this the avenue, the same one that his business was located on. He's like, yeah, I just want to do a run-through and show you all these businesses here. He's going just right straight down the block and just 
every third building just unoccupied. Yeah. It's got it's got spray paint all over the front. There's graffiti all over it. Nobody's been there for probably two years, three years. You know, mm-hmm. no tenants at all. And it's just, I mean, it's just a, it's just a wasteland basically, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, this is prime real estate here. And yeah, these guys don't, you you, you were making $10,000 a month for this 1500 square foot place. You don't want to maybe just go with four mm-hmm. for a while and see how that works. Like you guys aren't even willing to budge here at this point. Like this isn't going to turn around. You're, you're, you're holding on to something that doesn't exist anymore. And it's not coming back. No, there's no way. Yeah. There's absolutely no way. There's there's no way they're going to need the retail capacity that most of these big cities Commercial have. Commercial real estate is on the verge of like a collapse. I mean, that could that could start the whole thing off. Yeah. Because you're just going to have you have all of these companies that no longer need to. Even if part of them still need to get together in person, it's a fraction of what used to be. Yeah. When Dramatically was, smaller when was, footprint. Do you go to Redmond very much anymore? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's where she's at. So okay. I'm over there a couple days a week. Yeah. Right, so when you're driving by, do you see how many empty buildings and like shut up old restaurants and things there still are? So it's, I mean, they do a good job on over there of, of hiding. Something. Yeah. Of, of keeping it subtle, you know, yeah. there's obviously, yeah, there's not the graffiti scribbled some idiot's name who we don't, nobody cares about. But, um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's definitely happening, man. There's no question about it. And I think I'm just waiting for all these leases because a lot of times commercial leases that, you know, you sign five, 10 year leases on them. Yeah. And so what we've been out for a couple of years now. So I don't even think we've seen the first wave of these leases coming up and that's when businesses are going to go, Hey, are we going back? And then you're going to start seeing either no, or if they do, they're going to dramatically negotiate down. Yeah. How much? Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you at this point? Yeah. yeah, it's it's insane, and that's and that's what's so crazy about that video is he's telling me a lot of these, yeah. a lot of these landlords like, no, I'm not gonna. Go. And it's like, dude, don't you don't you want a couple thousand? It's doing nothing for you. So yeah, these guys have this idea that they're gonna go back to something that probably yeah will not exist. And I think pandemic aside, I think just in this country in general, I think we probably, especially before the rise of Amazon, yeah, we probably built up our retail capacity higher than it needed to be realistically and have you seen um like so i'm imagining we just take a look at what happened to detroit when suddenly detroit all those manufacturing jobs for like the the auto capital of the world right they left detroit and then all of a sudden detroit was still left with you know all of those other jobs that were there because it was the manufacturing base well, they left, and then slowly the rest of the base started leaving that city, right? And just left it as a small fraction of a population of what used to be there, yeah. right? But then you have these weird, like, wasteland of just blocks there. I read one point that they had 70,000 abandoned buildings in Detroit. Yeah. 70,000. And that you can hear, basically, the fire engines throughout the night. Because the homeless continue to break into old abandoned buildings. They light a fire to stay warm and it catches fire. <laughs> then they just go to the next abandoned building. Yeah. They, at one point they were trying to offer like, hey, if you'll come down and just take all of the buildings down on a block, right, we'll give you free land back. Right. And they're just trying like they're mm. just trying to reclaim this smaller version of itself. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of a picture of what a lot of these other large cities might be like. Because New York is shrinking, Los yeah. Angeles is shrinking, Seattle is shrinking, Chicago is shrinking. Yeah. Like, like people are not wanting to live in those cities anymore. Businesses are leaving them. Mm-hmm. And there's really no instigus for people to go back. 
why would you go willingly pay two to three times more in property taxes for a higher crime rate, right? And have a, have a property that costs you twice, two to three times as much, and right in order to live there when there's less and less opportunity. It's yeah. like it just it's not gonna, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, Detroit, nineteen sixty. You know they had the yeah. highest per capita. Uh, income in the entire world. Did not know that. Yeah, per capita, you know, because you had a lot of people working blue collar jobs yep. that were making solid wages, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and and look where they're at now, and look where they're at. And I don't know if maybe a hundred percent can be attributed to it, but a pretty large percent has to be uh, contributed to poor management. Yes. I mean, what else? What else can be behind it? Like, you guys had all these factories. You guys had all this stuff that was hopping and booming. We couldn't refurbish these, put them towards a, a different purpose. Like, and and that's what. But again, you have a city that has had a Democrat mayor for the last forty-five years or mm-hmm. something. And so it's like, when are we going to try something a little different here, guys? Your your population has halved in the last couple decades. What what can we do? We need a turnaround plan. You know, we need something here. We can't keep doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. This is not going to work. Oh, well, I, and I think you're kind of stuck because I'm like, well, what, unless you're going to suddenly get manufacturing jobs back in the U.S., right? Because manufacturing, obviously, um, you'd be surprised to know you have to do in person. It is really <laughs> hard to manufacture something remotely. No, yeah, it's tough. It doesn't, so, it doesn't, uh, there's always some parts missing, you know. But, but assuming that, so when we've ousted so much of our manufacturing jobs, and then what's left are a lot of, you know, there's the financial jobs and business jobs and the global management supply chain jobs, right? These things can be done anywhere from any location. It's yeah. really hard to make the case for these like middle management and up jobs that they have. Like, why would you make the case that they have to be in Seattle or in Chicago yeah. or in New York or Los Angeles? And honestly, the cities are there are having trouble making the case because real literally so the home we bought in South Carolina was for the price we bought there would have been the equivalent of an average cul-de-sac home in Kirkland nothing special you know you would have driven by it and it would have looked like just everything else but the home in, that we got in South Carolina for that same price well it's four houses from the beach and it has its own pool and it has a pool house and it's on it's gorgeous this home like like the quality of life for the same price is just so much higher. Yeah. And we're not unique. Everyone, eventually, everyone who starts going, if I'm not tied to this geographical location, why wouldn't I choose that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be, you're going to have to make a really strong argument for why I should give that up and go back into a city. Well, especially when you got a lot of these homeowners who have a house that's not necessarily particularly all that nice. Yeah. But it's still worth seven or eight hundred grand. Yeah. You know, you're like, I don't even really like this place that much, but it's worth a small fortune. So why don't we just pull the ripcord and get the hell out of here? And yeah, like you said, find something yeah. better value for your money. I mean, I've been looking on Zillow and I, I pay attention to a couple of neighborhoods or a couple of cities in uh, Texas. Yeah. And yeah, you see these things that come up, these beautiful homes, they're four bedroom, three bath, 3,200 square feet. Yeah, and they're asking prices like three twenty five. Yeah, you know, it's like, like Jesus. Half, yeah, three twenty five for the quality of home here that would easily be what one three one four. I mean, yeah, probably seven figures. Yeah, probably more than likely seven figures or somewhere around here, and yeah, it's like that's that's just insane, and that's what I don't get about a lot of people who have bought recently around here. I feel like there's a lot of people who are just pushing themselves to the limit, 
again to get into a home that they're not exactly thrilled about. Yeah. They're not in love with it. Yeah, and that's where I'm I'm kind of wondering if we're going to see kind of the great reset in property values where we still have I mean there's still a supply the whole supply chain for homes, right? There's a limited number of homes. Yeah. But it still doesn't mean that there can't be a balancing between real estate values and I think that's what we'll see which is wait for 1.3, 1.4, or even a million in Seattle, what could you get? Now, what could you get for a million-dollar home in Tennessee? Yeah. What can you get for a million-dollar home in Florida or Texas? Right. You're going to see that the, the quality is just so much higher. And then you're going to be in a safer community. Mm-hmm. And you start going, if I, if I can get a job there, why wouldn't I do it? Yeah. And now, in, so now, now here, here's a trivia question for you. What area of the country do you think is the fastest growing area of uh, of any of any uh, city in the country? Oh man, I should know this. Um, I want to say I want to go with Austin. It's close because Texas and Florida have are like all on like the basically two through ten. Mm-hmm. Number one, the Myrtle Beach area. South Carolina. Really? Okay. Okay. Right. So, like, I did not know that until after I was moving to Myrtle Beach. But once again, every time you think you're making a decision, like you're the only one, then you look up <laughs> online, you go, "Okay, apparently I'm not as unique as I thought I was." <laughs> I'm not special. Yeah. Well, and it's because in you in like Myrtle Beach, I think it's, you're going to see a lot of these warm climate areas. It's got 60 miles of gorgeous beach, and it has there's only like 30,000 locals, but 15 million people a year go and visit it, and they vacation there. So you have all these people who are vacationing in these spots who are suddenly going, wait, why do I only spend a week or two here a year when you can work remotely, right? Yeah. And you start looking online and you're like, wait, for two, 300,000, I can buy a pretty decent home here? Yeah. And I could just live in, you know, where it's, you know, 70 to 90 degrees. There's 218 days of sun with no clouds a year in Myrtle Beach. And you're like, people are starting to make those quality of life decisions that before we didn't we didn't have the option to book pre-COVID. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You're like, I'm coming here for a week every year and then I hate going home. Why don't I just live here and then I can hate going back to the place I used to live for a yeah. week. It's so. a great Texodus. Yeah. That's what Yeah, and, and you're right, man. I mean you're on you're on you're probably on the 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 back edge of the first wave. Yes. You know. You're the you're the last uh, one of the last boats to to hit the shore from the first wave, but um, it's better to be one of the first rats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and you're right. In some of these areas, like yeah, maybe you know maybe the real estate market is in trouble as a whole, but there's definitely going to be pockets of strength, yes. especially like you said in these cities that are typically pretty small compared to some of these bigger cities. Yes, but still can manage a good amount of people, so. Well, I saw, you know, what California lost population for the first time ever this last year. Like, New York City is down a couple of percent. Like, like these are places that did not used to shrink. They yeah. always grew. Mm-hmm. Right? And then once they start shrinking, that's not a good sign. Yeah. That's yeah, it. that's true. That's true. You always got to wonder, have we uh, hit that apex at this point? Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, you know, honestly, I think it's a good sign in general for America as a country, though. You know, I think the fact that we have a federal government, but we also have 50 individual states who have different rules, who have different standards, who have different climates, you know, whatever. It just kind of shows you that 
as an American, you can just get up and go and you can live in the same country, but you can be in a completely different area, you know, with different values and, and different everything basically. So, and I think that's kind of a nice thing, you know, it's like a, we got all these individual states who are kind of incubators for freedom and individual liberty and, you know, democracy, I guess, if you want to, if you want to put it that way. But I I think it's, it's, a bad sign for particular people in particular areas, but I think as a whole, it's a pretty good thing. Cause like you said, there's a lot of wide open spaces out there still, you know, like, yeah, you go to the city and you're just like, Oh my God, you're like, you're like, you know, choking, you're strangling on just pe- being cramped up. But yeah, you go drive for an hour, go East and there's, there's not a lot of over there. I, yeah, I'm actually a big proponent of like, I like the idea of there being vastly different options by state. And so like, I, you know, if California wants to go full socialist, right, I would be like a big proponent of why not let them like if if uh, as long as you could build a wall around them to say like, hey, we need to make sure we keep our finances separate yeah. right? so that mm-hmm. if it's not working out yeah. that, you know, you're not asking Idaho to bail you out. Yeah. Right? But, yeah. No, but by, by all means, give that, it a shot if yeah, you want to and allow people a certain amount of years to be like, hey, we're going full socialist. Right. You no longer have your own properties you know thing right they'll primarily belong to the state but we will provide more services right make the offering make the call let people who want to live in that society be there yeah as long as we don't decide suddenly that all 50 states have to be run exactly the same yeah yeah so this is where i think this we'll start to see especially as people are moving to states with like worldviews i think you're going to start to see state states rights come back up and we're already seeing that where states are you know, the federal government continues to come out with new laws and more often now more and more you're seeing states go, eh, not here. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I think it started with sanctuary cities. Yeah. Right. Because, that was, yeah, that was the start. Yeah. Because sanctuary cities were like, oh, you have a federal law against, yeah, well, we're just not going to enforce it in these cities. Yeah. We'll call it a sanctuary city. Mm-hmm. So you're like, you know, regardless of how you feel about whether the, the deportation laws, right, of uh, that it's still a statement to say, Yes, we believe that our view of law supersedes federal law, mm-hmm. at which point you're basically at, uh, increasing state, in that case, city law. Yeah. <laughs> and it really should be. And, that, and that's a situation yeah. where, you know, I don't agree with the policy at all, but if they want to vote on local leaders yeah, who are absolutely. cool with that, that's that's your guys' business. You know, sure. you, you guys voted for it. So if you don't like it, then... Maybe you need to do something different when you go into that ballot box. Yep. But uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you too. You know, it, I mean, it's not all going to work out. Some people are going to fail. But again, that's part of the experiment. It's like, hey, we, these guys tried this. These guys are going to try this. Well, what do you think? What? How this work out? And uh, you know, it's a test to America as a whole, and it's also a, a test to the electoral college. Really, yeah. when you think about it, you know, because the map is going to shift. And that's one of the nice things about the map. People say, oh, you know, just population or whatever, this and that, whatever. It's like, well, no, there's a couple of factors here. There's a couple of different variables. And so this thing's always constantly changing a little yeah. bit. It's not, it's fluid. It's not just staying one way. And that's how it is for on and on, you know, and that's, and some people would say that's maybe uh, some kind of dictatorship if it didn't do that, you know, mm-hmm. like that's kind of the beauty of the system is that it's always changing a little bit. And just because. Things are going good for you now, or maybe you have the power right now, in a year or two, maybe that's not going to be the same, you know? Maybe it's not a good idea to nuke the filibuster just because you guys have power right now, because mm-hmm. who knows how the midterm's going to go, 
you guys could get swamped. You guys could get completely washed away. And then you change the rules so that the guys in power have a lot more power now. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Well, I think that I would not be surprised that um, we see the southeast a generation from now. And some of the largest, most impactful cities are now down in the southeast. Like places before that we would have thought, like, yeah, I'll name one town. Do you know Huntsville, Alabama? I've heard of it. Right? But most people are in that same category of, like, if you've heard of it, you might have, you know. I don't know anything about it. Yes. And do you know it's now actually the most populous city now in Alabama? Hmm. It's like the tech capital of of Alabama. A lot of tech companies are moving in. The the SpaceX, right, and Blue Origin, right, they now have uh, headquarters there, right? And so I traveled through Huntsville, and and I normally think, okay, Alabama, I think most of us have, like, uh, reduced expectations of what you might find. (laughs) I drove through Huntsville, and it was one of the most gorgeous cities I've ever seen. Really? It was just gorgeous, and there was all of this new investments, like the historical homes are just gorgeous, the downtown, downtown area, just amazing restaurants and bars. And I was like, I remember I looked at Beth, I was like, Huntsville's a pretty, like, hopping place to live. Yeah. Right? How long are these places down in the south going to be kind of still be these secrets, right, before people start going, this isn't just like a backwoods place to live this is actually the prime real estate to own yeah and that's where i feel like this wave is going down to the southeast where people are going discovering all of these places not discovering but like going hey these are no longer second and third tier these are the places to live yeah and so at you know 20 30 years from now we might look back and then start going hey the some of the most prime cities with the prime companies and the most growth and the most money are going to be these cities that previously we never heard of or we made fun of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. And, that, and that's the thing. You know, it's always rotating. Like, yeah, look at for the past four or five decades, the South has been a running joke, basically. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, these slack jawed yokels, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, well, it doesn't stay like that forever. Okay, yeah, maybe yeah. some people moved out back then, and that's where that trope came from, is them doing that. Well, it's like, okay, time passes, people change, you know, things kind of rotate. I'm sure there's a, plenty of cities in the South that people left and they, you know, maybe not abandoned, but, you know, they saw a decline in population. Well, who knows? They could be turning it around now. You know, they yeah. do they do a refresh. They do some public investment. And, hey, who knows? Ten years goes by. And, like you said, hey, this is not the old city that was there. This is, like, fresh and new and clean and, wow. And they've been taking, I don't, have you seen any of these advertising campaigns about the vaccine mandates? Uh-uh. Oh man, the Florida, like some of a lot of these places in the South have just been poaching like first, first line defenders. So mm-hmm. they're going after police officers and nurses and doctors and medical workers, right? So the, uh, they've basically been saying, oh, your city's requiring a, a, a vaccine mandate. Tell you what, if you come to like come to Florida or come to our town, we'll not only pay for your move, we'll give you a signing bonus, you'll get a pay increase, and look, the quality of life is better, right? And the, it's, the, the cost of living is less than where you're living. Yeah, and they're just seeing basically this the same. huge wave of people, they're being able to support this growing infrastructure because they're poaching off of these towns that are imply, that are kind of doing this top-down authorita- authoritarian kind of dictates. Yeah. They're poaching their the people who who don't want to be there and giving them more opportunities. Yeah. So it's 
it's they're they're being smart about how to go and fuel this growing population shift down there by being able to steal the workers from other from other cities. Yeah. DeSantis, he's on top of his game right now. Oh my okay. gosh. This yeah. guy, he's on a gravy train with biscuit wheels of his own creating, I yeah. will add. You know? I mean, he's, he's doing everything right now, basically. And I I hate to say that about a politician. You know, It like irks me inside to say that there's a guy who is elected to office and he's actually getting stuff done that makes the people's lives better. It hurts me as a person, <laughs> but uh, the guy, he's... he's He's killing it right now. There's there's no other way around it. Yeah. And I you know, we're talking midterm elections here. You know, they're coming up. The second midterm's done, it's basically, you know, it kind of rotates and that's yeah. when the poll president which which is annoying because it's like we're constant there's constantly an election thing mm-hmm. going on. You know, there's constantly gonna be some ads. But the second that happens, I know they're just gonna turn on him and they're gonna try to make him into a devil. You know, because yeah. because that's how it goes. People hate Trump, whatever. You don't like Trump. OK, fine. I, I get that. I understand that. But I mean, he made a good point when he said, it, you know, it's not me they hate. It's just you. And I'm standing in between them. You yeah. know, when he said that he, he made a good point. And, it, and it's true because it doesn't matter who they put up there. This person's always going to be a villain, even if in their own home state things they're making good decisions. They're making good legislation and people are moving to their state. I mean, what clearer sign could there be? That you're making good moves. Yeah. If, if your population is growing. Oh, absolutely. And uh, well, I think one of the there's a, another year of this is something that's weird that's adding to the political natures. Usually, there's a, a president who's been reelected in their eighth year is kind of their lame duck year, right? You know that they can't rerun, they won't get, they can't go for election again, and so they have a lot of trouble getting something passed. What's weird with Biden is that. It's like he's entered the lame duck <laughs> year. He's only got one year in, and everybody knows he's already the lame duck president. They're yeah. like, there's no way Biden's getting reelected. Right? There, people are still wondering, is he just going to be able to finish one term? He's got, like, no power, no influence. Like, he can, like his, his approval ratings have declined so much that he's almost irrelevant now, other than you can see his own party already distancing themselves from midterms. Like, it's going to be crazy. So I think the um, DeSantis and Trump, like, you, they, there's a year reprieve because for the next year, it's just going to be about the implosion of the Democrat Party going into the midterms. And then I think you're going to see probably one of the ugliest battles on the right, which is DeSantis or Trump, like, for, for who's going to be the Republican nominee. And they have both been... Like, they're too similar mm-hmm. in terms of policies, two very different approaches yeah. like in terms of style, but yeah. policy-wise, they're pretty similar. Yeah. But, man, are they not going to play nice. Oh, dude, that's going to be a knife fight. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, I know, I know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the situation of Joe Biden, and this is exactly what you get when you vote against a candidate not for a candidate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is this is exactly what you get. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what did you guys expect? You know, you essentially wanted to elect a dead guy so that there was no crazy tweets, there was no, you know, meeting with uh, Kim Jong Un or all this kind of stuff. You wanted no, no. Well, this is this is what you got, but this is also part of that normal is is what you guys oh, yeah. didn't realize at the time. But yeah, it's. I mean, I said when he came into office, I said on the podcast, I said. Best case scenario for Joe Biden is he is the most forgettable president of all time. That's mm-hmm. the best case scenario for him. 
Well, I, th- I think that's out the window at this point. Oh, I think so. I think the person that he has helped the most was um, Jimmy Carter. I think <laughs> Jimmy Carter, I, I think because everybody thought, hey, Biden might be Jimmy Carter 2.0. And right now, I think people would be like, man, if we could just get Jimmy Carter back. <laughs> Remember those Jimmy Carter be, days? That would be so much better than what we're having to deal with right now. Uh, I think... Uh, Man, if Biden had just stayed in his basement and did nothing, he'd probably still have over a fifty percent approval rate. He just everything—that's how he got elected. Yeah, that, that's what it took for him just to get don't elected. Say anything, just yeah. hide. I know. And recently, they're like, "We need to get him in front of the people," and it's like, "No, you don't. Yeah, you don't want to do that." And that, that whisper, just makes it that worse. That whisper thing he does, <laughs> like when he gets in there and he gets all quiet, and you're that like, "Ninety-five percent, you're freaking us out, man." Yeah, it's like <laughs> just, this isn't helping. Yeah. You're not helping this. I do it on the podcast. I do it to be kind of creepy, you know? Yeah. Like, I understand the element I'm going for there. But, uh, but yeah, it's... And I and I, and I know it sounds hyperbolic when I say it, so I it, it kind of irks me to do it. But, I mean, he's on his way to being the worst president of all time. Well, he, he, he's well in line at this been, point of his presidency. Has there been a win yet? Like, it's... I'm waiting for, like... He would have had wins had he done nothing. Yeah. He could have at least stolen something, but he like it feels like every single move has resulted in the worst possible outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Like and the Afghanistan pullout was just And they're touting that. They're touting that as like, yeah, no, it was great. It was they're like, trying. And it's like, dude, thirteen Marines died at yeah. the airport when yeah. you were trying to get thousands of people out of here. There's pictures of people hanging onto the side of a plane, falling to their deaths on your way out. Like, there's this is not the photo op that you were hoping for. Like, this is literally all done just so he could say on 9/11, 20 years later, "Hey, look, I'm out." Yeah, and yeah, like, way to go. That have you seen that footage of Joe Biden too? And he's talking about a troop withdrawal when you're when you're conducting a war. No, this is from like 10, 12 years ago. Okay, this is a while ago. But he's like, he's like, even if you picked up today and said we're getting out of here we're getting all of our troops out and we're going to leave all the equipment even if you did that today it would take you one year to complete that process this is joe biden saying this to a group of people so so that's 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 what just gets me about all this is it's like it's not is it really incompetence is it really incompetence when we look back and see a video of you discussing this and knowing exactly what was going to happen yet when it did happen you just act surprised and oh no, who could have who could imagine this who could have seen it coming yeah. it's like it I, I want you know i want to lean towards incompetence because these are just real human beings people think oh these politicians oh they must no they're just they're just people like us you know yeah. some of them are a little bit smarter some of them are dumber than us you know it's it's just a, it's a mixed bag but this makes me want to think incompetence it can't be a, 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 a you know attributed to that except well in biden's defense I bet he has no recollection of saying that. <laughs> I took, you see the words coming out of his mouth and you're like, it, it feels like this is a dreamlike stream of consciousness. Like some of it makes sense and then other things it just trails off into just nonsense. And you're like, and it's really hard that like normally you'd feel empathy and kind of pity for someone. But on the other hand, then you're like, but yet that person's not the most powerful person in the world. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so like you're world. sitting in a position where you are affecting the lives of certainly hundreds of millions, probably billions, 
And right, you're doing like, in some cases, um, like incredible harm. So this is one where, you know, I feel sometimes less angry about him than I am the system that propped him up. Yeah. Right. In order to get a position that he's obviously not capable of yeah, carrying. For sure. And a lot of the stuff that he's trying to ram through, you know, he, they sold him as a moderate. A lot of the stuff he's trying to ram through, I, I'm in the same camp. I'm, I'm wondering to myself. Are they just are they just gonna just use this guy as cannon fodder just to try to ram home any of these crazy things that they've wanted to do for the last 20, 30 yeah. years now that they want to get through? They're like, this guy, oh, he, he's gonna be dead in a couple of years anyway. We'll just we'll yeah. put him up there as a puppet, have him dance for us, and who knows? We'll try four or five, and maybe one of them will get through. You know, mm-hmm. hopefully it's the good one where we can uh, steal every election from here on out, and then we can get all that other stuff eventually. I mean, I mean, you really have to wonder about that. This guy is taking losses now in places where he doesn't even have to. It's like he's willingly stepping in front of the pinata bat. It's like this guy is uh, like the, the last week. Wait, what are you guys playing uh, baseball over here? What yeah, are, here. What's Hold going on, on, man? Put a blindfold on. Here's hey. a bat. Wait. Uh, and he's just beating himself in the uh, I love animals. Uh, come on, man. He's, uh, no, like this last week when he was like, okay, you know what? We got to do away with the, the filibuster. You know, that's it. You know, it's time to do away with it. And literally 24 hours later, it's like, well, that didn't happen. I'm, I'm like, did you not make a phone call to find out if you had the votes? Like, I like this. The filibuster is like, hey, it's impossible for us to get 60 votes to get something done. So we need to get down to 50. And well, then a day later, they're like, well, we don't have 50. So, yeah. yeah. He's like, like, well, you know, I said it in a speech. I mean, I, you know, some they're just blocking everything here. Yeah. I was like, wow, your big initiative, your big thing, like, hey, this is what we're doing. It didn't last a day. Like, you're not supposed to do that in politics. You're supposed to go, hey, do we have the votes for this thing? We do? Okay, I'm going to go make an announcement for it, right? And then we can pass it forward. Yeah. Right. It just makes you look weak and ineffectual and out of the loop, which is, unfortunately, I think, a very realistic ex- explanation of what he is. It's just bad leadership. It's just oh, yeah. poor leadership, you know? Like, you've got to understand the process at this point, Joe. You've been around for 30-plus years. I mean, you got to know what's going on here. And like you said before, I mean, you kind of want to have some compassion, you know, for the, for the situation. I mean, you, I mean, you really do, to be honest, like sometimes it gets a little sad and I don't necessarily think Joe Biden is a terrible person necessarily. You know, if, if I ran into him at a bar, you know, and we're like, Oh, that's old crazy Joe there. You know, he'll say all kinds of, uh, showing on a true pressure, you know, like I probably would like the guy. I'd, I'd probably enjoy sitting down and having a beer with him. But again, we don't need him running the free world. Okay. Yeah. This guy is clearly past his time. Even when his time was here, he still wasn't. He still wasn't the greatest. That's he still he still wasn't the best and brightest. I mean, even Barack Obama, you know, the guy he wouldn't even endorse him until it was clear that he was the Democratic nominee. And when he was his vice president, he said, "Don't underestimate Joe's ability to fuck things up." Yeah. I mean, yeah. sorry guys, best but best quotes of all time now. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and and again, you know, you rose to prominence because. We needed some old white guy who's oh just Mister Regular old you know politician. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you're that's your claim to fame here, Joe, is being that guy. And but again now you're trying to ram through a vaccination mandate through oh, yeah. OSHA. Like what? Because because we can't spread COVID if we get vaccinated or something funky like yeah. that or what, like whatever happened to the idea like 
whatever happened to the idea of us just trying to convince people of things? <laughs> like, I mean, are we so far beyond the era now where we can't just go, hey, we think this is a really good idea, and here's some reasons why, and then let's have town halls, and we can have debates, and let's try to change, like, we go immediately to, hey, we have a good idea, you don't like it? Tough. It's the law now. Now you have to do it. No, you don't want to do it? Fine, we'll lose your job. Okay, no, okay, no, let's take their house. Let's throw them in prison. Yeah. Like, what? we're done talking about things now. We're, like, there's no convincing anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just, hey, we think we have the better idea, so now we're going to use the full force of the government, right, in order to force you to do it. Yeah. Like, this, is this really the America we want to live in? Do you think always the people at the charge of that military wing, that enforcement wing, is going to agree with you? Because all the people who want things enforced now, wait till the next guy has that power. Yeah. And guess what idea that they think they want to do, and it's suddenly going to go against your principles and your beliefs, and then you're going to be like, hey, I don't think this is a good idea now. And you're like, no shit. Right? Maybe you shouldn't have been before. Maybe you should make, can you like look ahead maybe five years, ten years, mm -hmm. and imagine that your guy is not in power who has this right who has this enforcement wing and they're going to be shoving it down your throat yeah yeah those well, same people will be the, the they'll be out burning stuff down because yeah. you know it's just um like you know hands off my body how, yeah. how dare the government think they can control me mm -hmm. well technically technically seth you don't have to get the vaccine you just got to get tested twice a week <laughs> yes you know you don't have to get it yeah. you know we're not forcing you to do it yeah. oh and by the way those tests uh, you got to pay for those out of pocket. Yeah. So um, and you'll get the results five to six days yeah. later. It, it, your choice. Very helpful. Your choice, though. It, it's it's your choice. You yeah. know. So and in yeah. the meantime, you can, yeah. you can't go into grocery stores <laughs> and restaurants yeah. and bars. Yeah. And, and until those results come in, yeah. we can't have you in the office here. Yeah. So and you're out of sick pay. Yeah. So so it just you know stay inside your house or go to work right mm -hmm. with. A, yeah, but feel free to live life as as uh, as as normal. Right. You're, your choice, though. You know, free. Free, you have freedom. Yeah, yeah, you're free, man. You know, do whichever one you feel better. But, yeah, I know. And, and you know, like we, we were talking originally about, um, about you know, the fact that Britain, they're... Um, they're yeah, how about them? Lax enough. Their, <laughs> you know, that, that old Boris, he's a, he's a crazy kook. No yeah. question about it. And he's been flip-flopping. You know, he was, he was anti, and then he was for once he got it. It kind of changed his perspective, I think. Yeah. But... Uh, just this week, he's come back around again. And, and not just a little bit. No, I mean, it, they, they basically said, we're done with this shit. Yeah, it's just done. Know? It's yeah. all done. Yeah, yeah I just like, like that. We're, we're still talking on the day when Carhartt of all companies, you hear this Carhartt company, right? That, you know, they make all of the, like, the blue collar. Tough guy, like, yeah. Tough guy. Work outside. Yeah. Uh -huh. Right, they're the ones like saying. Freedom loving patriots. Yeah, and they're like, Supreme Court says it's illegal to mandate OSHA, right? And then Carhartt CEO comes out and says, yeah, not for our employees. I'm like, wow, could you be less out of touch <laughs> with who your employee and your customer base is? You're yeah. like, you're the symbol of a hard-working hard American independence, mm -hmm. and you're the one saying, yeah, we're not going to convince them. We're going to mandate it, yeah. force them. Mm -hmm. We're like, man, does this guy deserve to lose his company? Yeah, yeah. But, no, and then, then and I heard that, and that was, that was pretty crazy. My question is, how long before he uh, backpedals on that one? Well, yeah, the same day he's like doubling down. All of a sudden you have UK Boris comes out and says, yeah, not only are we not doing the mandate, mass done. They're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're like, what? What? No, really? Like, you're just, and he's like, go back to work. Just just start living life again. And you're like, 
Wow. Yeah, and you're like, you're like, well, do we have to do, still do that awkward elbow thing though? Yeah, you know, or is, no, are we done was, with that he too? He was just done. He was just, it's just, it's done. It's over. Uh-huh. Right. It's a cold now. And, right? and and you know, he went back and forth. He went back and forth, and it's like, okay, flip flop, what the fuck? But at the end of the day, if you land on the right one, at least you know you got to give you got to give credit for that. Yeah. So, Whereas, uh, you know, what did Joe do on around the same time? Here's four hundred million free mass. Yeah. Well, wow, thank, thanks, Joe. Yeah, because this is going to basically st- just going to re- alleviate the problem. You know? Yeah, yeah, we can't get testing. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, you're you fired about a third percent of our of our medical you know frontliners because they didn't get the vaccination. Yeah, but yeah. we all get a day free a day of mass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Two years into the exactly. pandemic, we have all one day where we <laughs> might not pass it along. <laughs> That's that's what we were that's what we've been waiting for. Finally the solution is in place. And it's just it's so insane because at that point you're just throwing money at the problem. Like literally you're taking a handful of cash yeah. and you're like just take it. All just, right? Yeah. Just leave us alone. Yeah, like I gave you a free mask. What are you asking for? God. It's like this is not you're just spending money. You're just spending money here for just so you can say you did it. Yeah. It's like thanks Joe. Yeah, this will really help the problem. And it's funny because my girl, she's like, yeah, they're giving away free tests, so I'm going to get those free tests, you know. My tax dollars are paying for it. And I'm like, like, when did we, when we tested constantly when, for a disease when we have no symptoms for it? Yeah. When is that, when has that ever been Why? a thing ever? It's been useful. Well, okay, now, so as you know, I just got over Omicron, right? So, mm-hmm. like, I'm now, what, a couple days since I had You're it? You're a survivor. I was, uh, I'm a, I was, I, I'm, this is my survivor story for... <laughs> For Omicron, for having a week of a of a mild cold, <laughs> but uh, uh, so so yeah, I got it right, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm pretty sure this is what it is. So I go in to get tested, right? So first of all, I have to call into our, our nurse hotline for my you know thing, and I go, okay, I guess I have it. What do I do? So I call into the hotline, and they're like, you're caller number one hundred one. I'm like, what? And I had, I had sat there and wait on the phone for hours to talk to a nurse. And I'm like, hey, I think I got I got the Rona. I got the Rona, I think. And they're like, why do you think that? Well, my daughter had the Rona a week before me. And they go, okay, you probably have it. And they go, okay, so what do I do what, now that I have it? And they go, well, just stay hydrated. <laughs> I'm like. That's the secret. That's the secret. I'm like, okay. Wait, so you're telling me the reason that we shut down the planet. We shut down the planet for two years. Like everything. I mean, Australia is still shut down. There's countries you can't go into. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for years, and we've spent, what, how much do you think that's cost the global economy? Trillions? Oh, yeah, probably a couple. Yeah. And so now we're like, okay, this is humanity's worst plague in history. I get it. I wait for hours to call in. Okay, what do I do? They got nothing. There's not a single treatment that they have, like approved treatment. Yeah. You know, everybody has the, hey, this is what you should take on the side. I'm like, I'm not talking about the side. Government, you, the one who told me I can't go out, the one who said I can't go to my job, yeah. the one who said I can't travel. What do I do now that I have it? Yeah. The one Drink that, water. The one that said you're going to shut down the yeah. virus, not the economy. Yeah. Everything is drink water. And say, oh, and by the way, I'm vaccinated. Like I got the I I got the double the double jab right it did nothing, right and so and mean meanwhile and they're talking I'm like seriously you got nothing for me and they're like well you should take the boost booster and I'm like I already got the 
like, let me ask you, if, if you got the flu today and I went, hey, I got the flu, what should I do? And go, well, we have a vaccine from the flu from two strands ago. Yeah. You want you want to take that? <laughs> like, is this going to help? And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Wink, wink, nod. Yeah. I'm like, you got nothing for me. Yeah, we got a prescription for you. And that prescription is more cowbell. Yeah, it's like, literally, I'm like, so this is what we got is dr- stay hydrated. And like, okay, but now here's the thing. Go take your test. So I get get in the car and go wait for the, you know, the drive through and everybody has it. And so now it's just this long, you know, the world. It's like a Chick-fil-A on opening day. It's like, you know, you're waiting for hours, <laughs> right? And like to get in this line. And so, I, you know, three hours, I finally, it's my turn to take the test. And I'm like, hey, and they come out and, you know, they stick a thing in your nose. Right. And they're, and they're like, okay, so by the way, you have to stay quarantined for five days. Right. If you have it. And I go, okay, all right. Well, do I have it? Like, well, you, you won't find out for five to six days. I'm like, wait a second. I just got the test that, and you told me I have to quarantine myself for five days if I have it. When will I, when will I know? In five to six days. I went, this entire process is absolutely a waste of time. There's no wonder that Boris came out and just said, go back to work, just live your life, because they got nothing. Exactly. They got no solution to this. Exactly. And that's the thing, dude. That That's the thing. I seen the line at my gym. There's a Kaiser Permanente in the same parking lot yeah. where my gym is. And right around the holidays, yeah, I think it's because people are traveling. And this line of cars just waiting to get tested just all the way out to the main road, just basically wraps around the entire parking lot. And I'm driving by this really slow, like super creeper, like, you know, what I excel at (laughs) and I'm looking at everybody and nobody looks sick at all. Yeah. Nobody's like, nobody's sweating. Nobody's like got rosy cheeks. They're just sitting there on their phone, just waiting patiently. That was me. And I'm like, I had a slightly itchy throat. Yeah. yeah, A little raspy. Okay. I, I and I'm just like, what, what What are we doing here? And then my girl, you know, she's got exposure from people at, at her work. And she's like, hey, can you swing by the store and see if they have any at-home tests? And I'm like, okay. I'm like, Ugh. I was like, well, okay, so what, what are you, you're going to test? And then and then what? You're going to not go to, like, you don't Stay feel hydrated. sick. <laughs> yeah. Stay hydrated. I, I guess, yeah. She's going to wait on the phone yeah. to hear that she needs to stay to go, hey, Is there something I can take? Definitely don't take that. <laughs> if you hear it on the internet and they say it helps, do not take it. Okay, well, what should I do? Nothing. It's like nothing. Nothing's, nothing's going to change. You're just going to burn yeah. 60 bucks or whatever the at-home test kit costs. Nothing's going to change. If you don't feel sick, then you go to work. If you feel sick, then don't go to work. It's, yeah. it's pretty simple, you know? It, it's pretty simple. I know you were a crazy conspiracy theorist if you said at the beginning of this thing that it's just like the flu, but me and Marcus have talked about this many times on the podcast, and the difference between conspiracy theory and facts is about 8 to 12 months. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's because if you look at what the conspiracy theories were two to three years ago, they're just common knowledge now. Yeah, it's so like, it, 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 it's just like, you're right, just the whole... The whole situation is just such a cluster, you know what. At Can you this just point. imagine the fact that we shut down the world and you go, and what do I do if I get it? And they go, oh, we didn't think about that. Wait, you, you don't have a single treatment to make this better? Like nothing? All you have is the vaccine? Like, is this entire thing still set up just to sell a vaccine? You, you have to start wondering that. You, yeah. you really have to start wondering that. When you get a flu shot, you know that if you have last year's flu shot, that it's only like marginally effective against this the next strain. Mm-hmm. But we have one now. The vaccine is one from two strains ago. Who here is still believing that you're getting protection 
right? And so I've been walking around the mouthpiece going, yeah, but your symptoms are less. Your symptoms are less. And I've been saying that and I've been like, wait a second. Everything else they've told me is bullshit, <laughs> right? And it's coming out and I'm still going, yeah, but my symptoms are less. And I'm like, are they though? That's exactly. How do I know now? That's what I'm saying. Like, are you sure about that? Yeah. Can, can do I you see know the that? data? Right, because right now I'm to the point where I have to see it for myself because everything you fucking said has been a lie. Like, show me the data now because to this point, like I've been wanting, I've been giving you the benefit of the doubt. And now I'm going, why am I giving you the benefit of the doubt? What have you done for me? What have you done to earn that? Yes. And that and that's the thing, like people, I see people walking around and people who aren't even skeptical at all at this point. I'm like, what are you thinking? What are you going on here? Like, what do you... What is it that you're hanging your hat on at this point? Because like you said, I had this conversation with somebody at work the other day. And you said, oh, the symptoms are mild. And it's like, how do you know? Yeah. How do you know Were, you, were my sniffles, would they have been ba- 25% more if yeah, I based hadn't on had what? the jab? Based on what? You yeah, know? who's measuring this and for what? Because so far, I, what I'm realizing is that you got, there's the noble lie. Have you heard the concept of the noble lie? Mm-hmm. Which is, we lie to you in order to for you to do what we think is best for you. So we have no problem just lying to you as long as we think it results in a behavior that's best. I mean, how many people said you get the vaccine and, and it's going to stop? Yeah. It's going to stop with you. You, you won't be able to transmit and, and, to anybody. And everybody I know is having the vaccine. Everybody's getting Omicron. All right. Is there anybody left who still thinks that they're not going to get Omicron because you had the jab? Right. It didn't. It did nothing to stop it. Well, but in their defense, some of those people are wearing two masks. <laughs> so they haven't got their N95 yet. Yeah. It's in the mail. But they got the two masks, you know, so. That's, so yeah, I, I don't know. So at this point I was going, yeah, I'm, I, and you know, I'm, I'm still around there going, yeah, but my symptoms would have been less. My, my symptoms are less because I got it. And I went, yeah, I don't, I'm not buying that anymore. I went, I'm like, I'm not until you show me the numbers. I, I Enough with this noble lie nonsense. <laughs> yes. Like, show me yes. the data, yeah. right? Because I want to know, like, would my sneezes have been twice as hard? Would I have had the sniffles? Because it's basically just a cold now. Yeah, yeah. Like this is so. This is purely anecdotal. I'll say that right off the bat. But I have a uh, couple good friends of mine, both got the vaccine, and then I have a buddy of mine didn't get the vaccine. They both got it in the same week. This was about two weeks ago. They both got it in the same week, and the couple who was vaccinated said it was hell. They said for a couple days they didn't go to the hospital or nothing. But for a couple of days, they said they were just a wreck, you know, for at least two or three days. Guy who didn't get the vaccine, he tells me, he's like, yeah, you know, same thing as you. Like, I throw a little scratchy. I'm a little bit tired, yep. you know. He's like, honestly, though, if this was three years ago, I would have just gone to work. Yeah. I would have just gone to work and been like, oh, it's going to be a shitty day, you know. And so it's like, you say that, is it less symptoms? I mean, based on what? I know. Based on what? I just, now, like... In my head, you know, I, I find myself going, why am I still repeating what they say? Like, <laughs> like I, I need to just stop myself and go, everything that they've said so far has ultimately come out to just be nonsense. I'm, yeah. But it's either a lie or it's they just don't know. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's uh, now I'm going, it's two years. We have no, We have no treatments. There's no medications. There's nothing that prevents people from picking it up. There's nothing that prevents people from passing it on. Like what? Like we've been wearing masks for years, and that we have more cases than ever. Like, and now people are still going, "Hey, we need more masks." Well, yep. Here's an N95. You're like, they haven't done anything. Like, 
why are you still insisting that it's somehow working? And why are you a science denier if you're looking at it going, hey, people wearing their masks and vaccinated with boosters are still getting this. Like, why is it weird to question it? Yeah. Well, no, well, no you're, a science, you're a science denier if you even ask a question. Yeah. You know, if you even dare to ask any questions about this. Because everyone knows that you're not supposed to ask questions when it comes to science. Yeah. Like, no, that's no. not the scientific... Point. No, no. The, the, you gotta just believe the science, all right? Don Lemon told me to. Yeah. All right. Because I, I always... Now I've been... You know, people are like, well, are you the same person who wouldn't have gotten polio then, right? Because you didn't believe the science. I'm like, well, maybe if I'd had two polio vaccines and a booster polio vaccine... And then I still got polio. <laughs> I might have gone, hey, you know, I'm starting to question some of the science here. Right. Well, this is not this is not like, hey, you know, we got the polio vaccine and polio's gone. Yeah. This is like we did everything. Yeah. We're wearing polio masks and now everybody still has polio. Okay. Hey, well, at least your polio symptoms were mild. Yeah. You know, there, it's it's a it's a milder version of polio than it would have been. You got the otherwise. stanky leg for a couple days, yeah. you know, but you got through it, so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like, this is the first time in history we've had a vaccine that doesn't protect you from getting the illness. Yeah. You know, so it's like, we're changing, we're changing the definition of what it is to be fully vaccinated. And we're also changing the definition of a vaccine. Yeah. You know, a vaccine it doesn't really protect you from it. It kind of reduces your symptoms, maybe <laughs> for just you affects no one else. Yeah. Right. But still you're selfish if you don't get it. I'm like yeah. how? So like, how am I selfish if it doesn't protect anybody else? I might have stronger sniffles. You're selfish for not protecting yourself. Yeah. It's like, how dare you? It's still a, a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah. How, how dare you choose your freedom over your health? All right. I, I, honestly. Yeah. And people were still saying, like, we already knew that everybody vaccinated was still getting it. While they're still out there saying this is a pandemic of the vaccinated or the unvaccinated. And you're like, well, why... Like, you're just openly lying now. He's, he said that a week ago. Yes. He said that like a week ago. And and then you have all these vaccinated people sitting around with Omicron going, uh, excuse me? Yeah. You got, you got Whoopi Goldberg who doesn't go out, doesn't do anything, triple vaxxed, and somehow she gets it still. And she's like, I, I did everything they told me to. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and it, and it didn't work? Oh, my gosh. Crazy. I don't know how that could have happened. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, and you know they really liked talking up the stats when Florida was getting a bunch of cases of Omicron, right? And as soon as you noticed that Florida started going down and then New York and Los Angeles were like having record numbers of cases, they stopped reporting it. It's mm -hmm. really, really kind of interesting on yeah. how they, they like just like to piecemeal like what piece of data can I get in order to uh, make my case? Yeah. Oh, dude, I had, I, had, I had friends who were going to track the stats for Georgia because as the New York Times had put it, they were doing a experiment on human sacrifice when they decided to lift their mask mandate and let people go back to work. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was human. It, they were basically like the Aztecs, you yeah. know, like. You're going to see people dying in the streets. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That lasted, that tracking probably lasted for eight, maybe nine days, I'm yeah. going to say. I'm so confused at what people actually think that masks do. Like, I mean, I. At one point, I remember I was walking, you know, I was walking by the ocean near a pier, right? And you know how much the wind comes in over the ocean, right? It's blowing at you a good 20, 30 miles an hour, right? Yeah. They're just, just mm -hmm. flying back in the wind. There's somebody about 20 feet from me walking around with a mask on, and I don't have my mask on. And they look at me, and they go, like, they start pointing at their face, like, uh, uh, like, hey, what are you doing without your mask on? I'm, and I'm looking at them, like, with this look on, 
where do you think my breath is going to go when it leaves my face? Do you think it's going to get just, do you think that virus just kind of like soaks into the mass and stays mm-hmm. there like some sort of dirty napkin? Yeah, it's going to float just right there. Yeah, it's, it's going to float up and down outside the mask and then go where? In this 20, 30 mile an hour wind and then just blow it wherever <laughs> it's going to go. Yeah, right? and it's going to so, be gone. Yeah, this is like, and it, it's going to get to you if it's getting, if it's going to get to you 20 feet away blown by the wind, it's going to get to you whether I'm wearing a mask or not. We have no people's understanding of what this mask that somehow do you think that keeps that breath in my body yeah like keeps the virus from leaving like there's you want to talk about people not understanding science it's these people who just they put this like little safety net over their face and somehow they think that somehow that this is going to protect them i'm like dude you're this is like a uh it's like a placebo right it's like it's doing nothing right Mm -hmm. finally you're seeing countries that are finally going we're done yeah this is silly this is silly yeah, the most naive people out there right now are these people who legitimately think that they're going to mask and Purell their way out of getting the disease. Yeah. And there's not a ton of them, but they're out there. Yeah. There's some of them out there. And it's like, you guys, no. Don't you realize everybody's getting this at this point, basically? Everybody is getting this, you know? And it's just not going to happen, you guys. I'm sorry. And yeah, you're talking about, oh, the symptoms should be less. Well, should they have? I, I just saw a study that said... People who got alpha, the alpha variant, yeah, and um, were less were less likely to get the delta than people who had just got vaccinated. It would not surprise me. You know, yeah. so it's like, what are you even doing at that point? And then, but when was natural immunity? When did that ever come into the political discussion as far yeah, as this and, goes? And when did and when did natural immunity become a political conversation? Like, at what point was that not... We never got an answer for why is natural immunity not immunity. Like, <laughs> it just became the, no, pay for the shot. Okay, but yeah. but I've already had the... I've already had COVID. Like, pay for the shot. Just do it. Yeah, you want to be fully protected, right? You're like, well, but what if I've already had it? Like, just do it. Just do it. You need to just do it. And if you don't do it, then you can't go back to work. And then you can't go eat. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. why are you forcing me to put something? Like, can you show me the science on this? And they're like, I guess you're just a science denier. Yeah. Like, it, I'm just wondering, what would this what would this have done earlier if they had literally said, hey, it's either vaccinated or people who've already had it? Like, if they had just conceded that much and you went, hey, you have an immunity if you have one of the two. Like, where would we be at percentage-wise? I wonder if we would have been at 98, 95%. It probably would have been super high. I mean, I can tell you where Pfizer stock would have been at. That's for sure. That's right. You know, I mean, God forbid, you know. I saw a meme and it said, uh, the the fourth booster of the Pfizer vaccine should be ready by their third quarter earnings. That's Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because exactly I think what's going to help this is... um, we need one more shot of the strain of two strains ago. That's that's what's that's what that's the one that's finally going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and hey, might as well throw in flu shots from 10, 15 years ago. We'll just, yeah. Let's just protect from strains that don't exist anymore. We, that, that's what's going to solve this crisis. We just didn't do it hard enough. That was the problem. Yeah. You know, we just didn't go hard enough. Just give us one more try and we'll keep going. There, I actually saw it like two days ago. There, there was some article, I think it was Fauci that said it, the Pfizer vaccine should be ready in two or three weeks for kids under five. Yeah. For, for people who don't, aren't at risk of this disease at all. Yep. You can get them inoculated too. Yeah. It's good. Cause we should just start pumping kids full of drugs 
who uh, don't really have any issue with this, right? So that it prevents older people from getting a cold. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, you should probably get your first shot when you're in the womb still, if it's possible yeah, at all. Actually, honestly, you know? they've started doing that now, which is, you know, they're worried about pregnant mothers and like, you, you know, the same people right now who are pushing the, hey, if you don't get this right, you should lose your job and you shouldn't be leave your house. And about 20 years from now, when it uncovers that, hey, we started to see some bad statistics of what was happening to people who were taking this when they shouldn't have. They'll be the same ones who are writing the movies talking about the, you know, the evil companies pushing these drugs and they knew of the harmful effects and the, the government people who are hiding it from the people. And I'm like. Wait, no, you should write yourself into that script too, right? As the person who was blindly forcing everyone else to have to do it. For yeah. anybody who had any kind of skepticism whatsoever. Yeah. These people are like, they don't believe our government. I'm like, is it that far of a stretch to believe that your government might do something, right, that's not in your best interest? I mean, have you read any history of the 20th century? Do you know that more people have died by the hands of their own their own government than, than by any other... Uh, non-natural means yeah it's like it is it is a you'd think it was a natural survival instinct to go you should be skeptical of your government a healthy skepticism to go <laughs> let's ask questions let's make them prove it right. yeah yeah no i and i look at this whole situation and it's all it's clown world 100 percent. but that's the one thing that i kind of look at and i have some optimism about yeah. i feel like maybe this is the point where we can all come together on the real realization that the government screws everything up. Yeah. <laughs> that these guys are completely incompetent and mm -hmm. that they can't do anything well. Maybe we can all rally around that. I, who knows? You know, that, I mean, that's, that's, you know, you can accuse me of trying to put lipstick on a pig. That's fine. But I feel like possibly that's something that we could rally around because, yeah, these guys... They clearly have no clue what they're doing. And with all this change, with how rapidly things have come, you know, with everything in the UK right now, somebody like me who didn't get the shot, I shouldn't have said that. I, I don't care anymore on this. Sure. Like, I, 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 it's funny. I try to keep it a secret. Like anybody listening gives yeah. a shit about my vaccination yeah. status. You oh, know? you'd be surprised. Well, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, yeah, one of them might. Who knows? But, but... Um, Hope you weren't planning to go to Australia anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, you better cancel that trip right now. Uh, you and Djokovic. But, uh, yeah, I honestly feel like I'm winning now. I feel like I'm winning. Like, I, and I don't want to gloat. I hate to be that guy, but sometimes you got to toot your own horn. Yeah. And I want to, like, just think of people who just try to comply their way out of this and be like, what were you thinking? What were you, you thought that was going to work? Like, really? You know, I, I have a friend who, probably more anti-vax than me, to be honest. Probably more anti-vax, but she's in the healthcare field. And so she was pushed to the limit at some point. Yeah. And so she, she caved in. And, um, you know, again, I'm like, what were you thinking? Like, you didn't think, you didn't think this was going to subside at some yeah. point. And it's funny cause I had a conversation with her and she's like, she's, you know, she's trying to let me know about the MRNA technology and, and try to enlighten me. She's like, you need to do the research. And I'm like, no, I don't need to, I don't need to do the research. I, I'm not going to get this experimental drug. I don't yeah. need to do the research. I, I'm not going to do any lesbian dancing anytime soon. I'm not going to do any research on that. Why would, why would I bother? I'm not going to go there. If my employer says, hey, you got to get it, I'd be like, oh, boy, okay, we're going to have to work on the exit strategy here. No, I, oh, I'll, yeah, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Yeah, just give me a little bit of time. You know, yeah. like, I'm not going to do research on something. I'm not going to – why would I waste my time with that? I'm just – no thanks. Not for me. And research from who now? Right? Unfortunately, exactly. like – Exactly. I'm, you know, like – 
you know, I, I'm an avid, like, I would love it if they would just be honest, right? And if they were, because right now, if you, if you watch, like, the news, right, or read the news every day, right, they love finding the anti-vaxxer who passed away. Right. Oh my God. They like they. Has there they, been one that they didn't write an article about? No. Yeah. They, no. They, they. They. Every day they're looking. They're like searching the world for. Please tell me somebody who wrote an article or who said something on their Facebook that mm-hmm. they were against vaccinations. And Young then and attractive died. would be great. Yeah. Uh, we'd appreciate that. No. D- try not to focus on the fatties. You know. Don't yeah. talk about those. But you're gonna find eight to nine billion people on the planet. Guess what? They're gonna be able to find a story every three days of somebody. Who makes their case? Yeah. Like, okay, I would be happy that with that, if every once in a while they might say, "Oh, here's someone who got the vaccination who died because of it," because you know what they say, it's safer, but you won't actually tell me, right? You won't tell me both sides of the story because you're still in the noble lie. So you're only going to tell me about the dangers of not getting it, but you're terrified to tell me the dangers of getting it. Yeah. Right. Because you're worried that telling me some of the truth and I might make a different decision. Yeah. But uh, it works the opposite way for me. Because if you only tell me one side of the story, then I think you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm like, if you're not going to tell me both sides, then I'm just not going to believe you. Like, when in reality, you should tell me, okay, here are eight people who died, right? The, you know, the, the percentage of people who died because they didn't take it. And by the way, and here's the percentage of people who died because they did. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, when you get to the to the young young kids, you know the it's teenagers and stuff, yeah. it's actually the risk of myocarditis. Yeah, it actually becomes higher than your risk of dying from actual COVID. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, like why can't we talk about? That? There's a lot of people that the way they sell it, there's there's no side effects, there's no downside to getting the vaccine. Yeah, there's nothing. What what do you mean? What's bad? What bad's gonna happen? Come on, you're crazy. You're crazy science denier. Get out of here. Side effect? No, no. Come on, experimental drug? No, that nothing bad ever happens. Ten years down the line, after enough time has passed, and the long term effects can be seen. Agent Orange. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. When has the government ever like forced us to take chemicals or put chemicals on us that later on we started writing books and movies about all of the dangerous things that it did? Conspiracy like, theories, Seth. Come my on. My question is, how long do we have to wait before we actually find out that Bob Saget died because he took the booster? <laughs> oh like, I know, it, like, there's literally <sighs> my he, head. Well, you know, like, well, he takes the booster, and a month later, he just he dies, and immediately the day after, they're like, they're saying, but it's not because of the booster. It's all it's a conspiracy theory. If you say it's the booster, oh wait, he actually did get a booster. He got the booster a month before he died. Oh, okay. okay. Like, or weeks before he died. Okay. Hmm. Right? And then and then immediately the day after he died, they did all these news articles about, you're crazy if you think it had anything to do with the booster. I'm like, me thinks you, <laughs> you, wait. Doth protest, protest too, too much. much. Yeah. I'm like, I wasn't thinking it until suddenly you had to write 20 articles telling me not to even consider the question. But now I'm starting to reconsider. Yes. I'm like, okay. But why can't we ask the question? Hey, how come a perfectly healthy person, right, who took the booster died a few weeks later? Is it, is it, and I, and don't tell me I'm crazy for asking the question because a scientific person should say, have you done anything differently? Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Okay. You just put something into your body that was, that was unique and different. Did it have any effect? Right? And the fact that we can't ask the question, right? Like, I'm, it makes me less distrustful, right? Science shouldn't be so scared of people asking questions of it. Exactly. That, that's how the scientific process works. Yeah. People think that, oh, the science is in. It's all figured out. And say, 
No, this is a conversation. It's a debate. It's changing all the time. New information is always coming to the the foray. And yeah, this this is not how it works. You don't just this is what we decide on. This is the science. And it's, look at Fauci. He, the guy changes his mind every time you see him. One day he's like, uh, I just don't know if you can do Thanksgiving this year. You see him in the next. I didn't say you couldn't have Thanksgiving. What are you talking about? Crazy I never said that. Theorists? I never said that 26 hours ago. What? You know, it's just like, there's a process to this, okay? And like you said, not asking questions has never been part of that process. Oh, yeah. That was never part of it. That was the one thing that we could rely on that would be part of this process. I know. So now it's I'm like, okay, so we finally got a name attached to somebody who just took it. And we all know the, the, the anecdotal, anecdotal stories of people who take the vaccine and something weird weird happens. But you're like, but you who is the who is the skeptic in the scientific community, right, who's actually going to come forward and say, Okay, yeah, it, some bad things can happen. It's rare, but it is. And so be honest with it. But then there's no point in doing that if they don't want you to make a choice, though. Yeah. Right? If they want to force your children to have to do it and, you, and, your, and companies have to do it, then I'm going to ask a question like, if your company is forcing you to have to take it, your company should be liable if you take it and something bad happens. Yeah. I mean, exactly. If you're forcing me to make this decision, like, what? come on. What? What? What else do you expect from me here? And then there's no, um, there's no recourse with the vac- the vaccine companies, the manufacturers. Yeah. You know, you can't sue them. No, they, they didn't tell anybody that one. Shockingly, yeah. but and now you can't hold it against the federal government because they went, hey, we, we actually, it, you know, it's not it's not a law, mm-hmm. right? We just wink, wink, nudge, nudge, told companies hey, come you on, should man. enforce this. Yeah, come on, on what? our behalf. Yeah, and I'm wondering at what point do we go? Hey, when did companies become the enforcement wing for our government? Well, and that's the thing that, that that's what kills me about all this is that we're all out there policing each other. Yeah. It's not like there's this new task force, you know, the COVID task force, and you see them at all the restaurants and all the bars when you go out. No, we're just doing this to each other. And so we're taking the interactions that used to be pleasant and used to be peaceful, and now we're throwing this monkey wrench into them, and we're making this divisiveness where we got to, like, be on the lookout for one another when I show up. You got, oh, you got your papers? Oh, you got your vaccine pr- yeah. proof? Oh, you got, you got your mask and all that stuff? And it's like, we're not better off for this. We're, we're, this isn't a safer country. This isn't a better country to live in. We're not better for this. And why can't we, again, why can't we even discuss this? Why can't we even talk about this in the whole spectrum of what happens and what is happening from this pandemic and the way that we responded to it? Yep. And and now if we know that like having the vaccine doesn't stop you from spreading it, then why is a company forcing you to do it? What good? So they're forcing you to protect yourself? Yes. For, from, from what reason? And, from quote unquote mild symptoms. So why isn't that same company forcing me to get on the treadmill? Why isn't that same company forcing me to say, "Hey, you can you gotta stop eating donuts and you can't drink sugars, sugar yeah. drinks"? Like, at what point does my company protecting me right stop having like the ability to force me to have to either take medicine or live any other way I do in my life? When Abbott Labs isn't turning uh, up in their uh, earnings per share by two or three cents, yeah, then that's kind of the line. Basically. Well, I'm waiting to find out which companies are getting government favors because they're they're employing mandates because the government couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Right at that point, honestly, people should be going to jail because if you're if you're a company and you're mandating your employees and we're like, hey, company companies should have the right to do what they do, right? Not if they're acting on behalf of the government. 
right? Then they need to be bound by the same laws that we bound our government to, yeah. right? And if they're getting government favor by enacting laws that couldn't get passed legally, well, then you should be going to jail. Yeah. Right. And right now, I have a feeling that we got a lot of executives who are getting nud, like, getting favors from the government for enforcing these mandates because the government couldn't get it done. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you are not the enforcement wing for the government, right? Yeah. And if you're doing this in secret and getting it private, you are breaking the law. Yeah. Right. And so this is where I'm. I'm hoping at some point that this that 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 veil gets torn down. Right, and we start realizing that these companies and these tech companies that think that somehow that they are the enforcer of our new laws, right, that they are bound by the same laws that govern the rest of society. Yeah, yeah, no question about that. And, and yeah, hopefully at some point, I think a few heads need to roll. And mm-hmm. I think first and foremost is Tony Fauci. <laughs> you know, uh, that guy. I think it, I think if the I think if the Republicans win, I don't it's know how I don't know how that can't be the first item of business. For whatever Republican president, fire science. Oh, oh, you don't trust me? Well, you don't trust the science thing, clearly, right? Science. Yeah, I may have said that the masks don't work, but that was for one mask. Okay, not two masks. You're basically arguing against science. These crazy lunatics. What kind of ego do you have to have to call yourself science? Like seriously, is this guy among like? and, And what point? And if he's supposed to be this like independent, like trust me, because I'm Father Science. Right. Well, then maybe you should stop taking political positions. Right. Like here you have a guy who's not elected. Right. And you see him like talking trash to Ted Cruz. Right. (laughs) About, hey, what about January 6th? Maybe you should be in prison. And you're like, wait, I thought you were supposed to be this like independent fatherly scientific figure. Yeah. But now you're throwing around political barbs like you're an elected like uh, like uh, congressman Mm -hmm. like. No, you're not an elected. You were supposed to be this bipartisan figure. And now it makes me think that you have a side and you're rooting for a side and you've been bought and paid for by a side. At that point, you have zero credibility because you know what? Half the people didn't vote for your side. You were supposed to be the person who was for us all, right? Not taking sides. Yeah. This guy, is, he, he's whatever credibility he was supposed to have in that office has been, has been a long shot. Yeah. If you don't believe Anthony Fauci, then you don't trust the science of January 6th, all right? That is (laughs) the science of it. Yeah. As we all know, January, questioning elections is insurrection. Unless, of course, you were Joe Biden yesterday questioning <laughs> yeah, the future elections, election. elections that haven't At happened that point, yet. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that's uh, not a danger to our democracy. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, that's I, fine. I love how CNN today was so like they were tripping over themselves to go, no, 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 no. So this is what he meant by his, <laughs> this is what he meant by his answer. No, you yeah. can't take him by his exact words. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, and Uncle Joe says some weird things, okay? Come on. At what point do you got to be embarrassed? Like, if you went to be a journalist in college, at what point are you just embarrassed that you became, like, a propaganda state media representative? Mm-hmm. Like, your job is to try to spin the state's line in order to make it more, more, you know... Palpable. Palpable to the public, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, this is... Like, at what point do you just, like, look at yourself in a mirror and just kind of, like, shake your head and go, how did it come to this? Yeah, I know. Seriously. Well, and it's like with Joe, with Joe Biden after, oh, you said that. Okay. So, uh, so if the Democrats do well in 2022 and you don't pass your legislation, then does that mean that's rigged too? Because I have a feeling you might not mind the results or question them at that point. Yeah. Just, just call me crazy. 
Call me crazy. Call me a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. But I don't think you would have an issue with those results. Yeah. Oh, except unless you, you brought it up. Then it'd be like, you know, I think you need to spend some time in jail. Yeah. Because uh, questioning a Democratic win is an insurrection. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. And again, it's like, you won the last one. And you're going to call the next one into question already? You you won the last one. And, and, you, and the one before that? You guys still aren't happy about that. You, you, yeah. you still think that we colluded. With the Russians, you still think Al Gore won, right? Over George Bush. Right, so McAuliffe didn't give it up. He he brought it up during the governor race. Yeah. In the last twenty years, right, is the the nation's favorite pastime has been questioning elections. Yeah, but somehow January sixth, that was the first time that it was actually insurrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And I love the insurrection too. Like, uh, you know, for those of us who are like, okay, it's pretty embarrassing to watch people do it. But you then all of a sudden you see the video. And they're walking through it like they're walking through like a wax museum, or they're at the mall. Yeah. Right. They were in there for. Oh a while. no! This is a violent armed yeah. mob. Okay. Yeah. So that they would have killed everybody on site. Like, yes. Really? Because yes. I saw people politely asking, "Hey, can you move along? Don't touch it." And they're like, "Oh, sorry, thanks. We're just looking." <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Right. And they walked through. Literally, they held like more sessions that night. Yeah. Like we had like three months of people burning down buildings to the ground and mobs running free. For what for? 90 straight days in Portland and then you have a group that walks through it like it's a mall for three hours and this is the worst thing that's ever happened to our country. Seth, democracy was brought to its knees Yeah. for almost three full hours. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We didn't know how that one was going to shake out. I know. Literally two months earlier there was like a hundred secret servicemen and and, uh, and policemen who were put in the hospital because there was an attack on the White House. That's not an insurrection. Yeah. No, like, you know, because it's for a leftist cause. Yep, yep. Like that, that one we can just ignore. There's nobody holding candlelight vigils for that date. Yeah. Right? But January 6th is one we're supposed to remember forever now. Like, yeah, and the, and the trigger-happy cop who shot Ashley Babbitt saved countless lives. Oh, yeah. Saved countless lives. That, you know, unarmed, that unarmed woman, yeah. who knows how many people she would have killed yeah. if she didn't get shot. If she could have had her, if she could have had her way, yeah. I, I mean, she could have racked up dozens of deaths. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? You know, and I don't know the name of the guy who wears the headdress and the the who is like the oh, the horn hat, the, the horn, horn hat man. Oh god, <laughs> like yeah. that guy. Um, the calling it insurrection made it look like he somehow had a plan. Yeah. Like, do you think like suddenly he was gonna like sit in the chair and like, okay, I'm <laughs> running things now. <laughs> like this guy. Yeah, he's gonna grab it. He's gonna grab his buckler. <laughs> Like, There's I, a new order in I town. Declare. Yeah, it's like, oh my. God. And I thought, well, in, here in Seattle, didn't we have the free nation of Chaz slash Chop, mm-hmm. right, for weeks? We and did. that's not an insurrection, yet they no, just reclaimed no, 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 no. land in the so, middle of our city to make a new nation. Okay, that's, you know, that's just a summer of love. It's a summer of love, exactly. Yeah. And yet more exactly. people died violently in the nation of Chaz or Chop yeah, than yeah. did in January 6th. And yet I don't see us holding any candlelight yeah. vigils. And, and, and uh, what was the race of those people, just out of curiosity? Yeah. Um, I can't recall, but I know it was, you know, coordinated with BLM. So yeah. I'm sure they probably weren't black guys, you know, because those are the ones that care. Those are yeah, the ones that really care about the black lives. That... I'm pretty sure it was um, 
uh, white liberals because that's pretty much the the nature of like oh no the actual people that died were a couple black kids oh, actually. oh yeah, yeah of course yeah the people yeah. always suffer the consequences yeah, yeah. of yeah. the bleeding heart white yeah. liberal mm-hmm. is of, is of course the people that they say they care most about they're the ones that care they do care okay yeah. they don't say it they do care all right come on now but yeah i know it's we we i don't want to go too deep on that because we basically that's all, mostly what we talked about last week on the pod <laughs> but uh it's yeah it, it, it i mean it's just yeah, you look at the two things that happened that year, the two political and social upheavals, and it's not even really a comparison. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's really not. It's it's one building being attacked. It's multiple cities that were lit on fire, basically. For months. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't just, still haven't recovered. It, was, it wasn't just one event. Yeah, yeah. It, it, exactly. It was multiple and times. There's so. murders and arsons and assaults and... A theft, mm-hmm. right? And you're like, in these cities, their crime rates, what they're, if you go to every major city, they're like, yeah, murders are up two, 300%, right? Yeah. And all these, just crime, like, well, it's what happens when you have lawlessness and you don't enforce it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like, you just, people go, oh, you're not enforcing the law here. And guess what? It continues to just spiral out of control. Yeah, that's how, that's how the Amazon trains just get robbed in your city when you say, oh, under 900. Yeah, we're not going to worry about that too much. Oh, okay, cool. Well, this thing costs less than 900 This thing costs less than 900 You know, I heard so. someone, uh, a store owner who found a, a beautiful workaround. He went through every uh, item in his store, and they had something like, where was the $900? He priced everything at $901, right? But then he had coupons at the front. Mm-hmm. So uh, so every, if you stole a candy bar, it was $901, and it could have been prosecutable. Right. Okay. So, hmm. and then that way you only had you had to use a, a coupon in order to uh, get a discount at the it. register. At the yeah. register. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. The discount doesn't take effect until you hit the register. That's right. Yeah. So, but that way they could price everything above the the minimum in order to actually get someone to prosecute. Like, I mean, it's hey, just that's a... single handedly driving inflation right there. <laughs> you want to talk one more thing that the government's not just controlling? Greedy business owners. That's yeah. what it is. It's these greedy that's business all... owners. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe there's a coupon, but come on, $900 for candy bar? Give it's me a these, break. Yeah, or like uh, the greedy grocery stores. Isn't yeah. that the next one? Yeah. These grocery stores who make, what, like half a percent markup? <laughs> Kroger's yeah. making at least 3 or 4% on everything they sell. Yeah, you know? no, least, no way they're on. making that much. Come on. They're like, they, if they sell grapes for $0.99, cent, they make like the, the 100 cent, maybe, right, is their profit. And you're like, so these are the ones that are going, yeah, they're so greedy, just pocketing the money. I'm like, yeah, yeah uh, no. That's the reason for inflation, you know? It's not. Yeah. Greed. Yeah, it's not. It's one... not because we're printing trillions and trillions <laughs> of dollars. Yeah, it's not every one point whatever trillion stimulus package we try to get through or infrastructure yeah. plan. It's not that. Yeah, we've it's been these... spending an extra four or five trillion no. above what we every it's year. It's these greedy meat packers who have a monopoly over 40% of the market. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked, you had to be over 50 to have a monopoly in anything yeah. or a majority or even a, a, a small majority. But, you know, hey, Joe Biden, he's when it comes to economics, this guy is the whiz kid. Yeah. You know, the guy who's been living off the government's dole for 30 plus years now. Yeah. And how about the how about the federal bank? You know, like was a little over a year ago. They were like, hey, you know, we're going to encourage inflation to get up to 2 percent. It's just not enough. But don't worry, don't worry, because we're not going to let it get much higher than two, because mm-hmm. we want to keep it there, because that'll be good. Yeah. Right. How long did that last? Like three months before it flew past two. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it was going up a percent a month. Yeah. And we then... we had a problem, Seth, and the problem was that the cost of living 
wasn't going up fast enough for people. Yeah. You know, like we just couldn't get out of it. It just wasn't, the cost of living just wasn't rising quick enough. People's money was buying them too much for too long. And we needed to do something about that. But don't worry, it's only transitory. Exactly. It's going to end soon. Yeah. You know, Actually, you done. know what? The only thing that was transitory was the word transitory. Because we that that lasted like two months. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I think they changed the definition of that too, to be yeah. honest, through, <laughs> the, through the process. It's yeah. transitory. Yeah. Yeah, Janet, yeah, Janet Yellen, she had a conference today or yesterday. And she said, well, you know, I think inflation is going to be above 2%, but it should be diminishing though. Yeah, should be. It should be. As it di- continues to climb. Diminishing, yeah. Okay, uh, we're at 7 for 21. Uh, Janet is 6.9. Is that diminishing? Yeah. Are, are we diminishing at that point? Or what do, you, what do you see? Like, like you're being intentionally vague. Yeah. You're just trying to leave this open. You're not... Give, give me a specific figure. By diminishing, that means, like, we'll find a new way to recalculate it. Yeah. So that we can exclude more things in order to make it not look as bad. <laughs> yeah, well, give us six months and we'll start cooking the books, you know, yeah. and then, yeah, it won't look that bad. At well, that already point, they're promise. saying, well, hey, you know, we could be in danger of having 70s-style inflation. Went, well, if you calculated inflation today like they did in the 70s, it is. It's like 14% or higher. We might have had a record year. Yeah. This might have been the highest read ever. The only reason we're not competing with the 70s is because we're arbitrarily Mm -hmm. like keeping that number stated low. Which, by the way, having just gotten a mortgage, right, I cannot believe that they locked, like I got locked in at under 3%. And I'm like, what are banks thinking? Aren't banks supposed to be these gurus? Like, and they just gave me a loan for 30 years where I can pay them back at less than 3%. We have inflation of 7% that's non-transitory. Like, by definition, doesn't that mean that I'm they're going to be losing money? Yeah. They just yeah. gave me a loan, and I'm going to be paying them back with dollars that are worth way less. Yeah. Like, And so I'm like, thanks, bank, for paying for part of my house? All right, and you did this, why? Yeah. Right? I don't even think these bank executives, none of them were in power the last time we had high inflation. I don't think they have any idea that right now they're going, oh, crap, why did we lock a bunch of people in at 3% when inflation was double digits? Yeah. Like, we're basically throwing our money away for no reason. Yeah, you're you're guaranteeing you're going to lose money. Yeah. You're locking in a guaranteed loss. Yeah, the only reason it would make sense is if they thought it was going to go back down to below 3 again. And you're yeah. like, who here believes that, it, that inflation is going to go back below 3 anytime soon? <laughs> I My girl, she's in the mortgage business, and one of her loan officers at her work she's got a couple loans that are like kind of falling apart right now. Yeah. And she's, and, and you know, her idea was, she's like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just wait. I'll, I'm just going to wait a few weeks until the rates go back down. Yeah. And I'm like going up every single day. I'm like, you're going to be waiting more than a few weeks there, dear. Yeah. Uh, you might be waiting the rest of your life Yeah. because we have had basically 0% interest rates for like 10 years now. Yeah. And Which we were supposed to have for like, at, you know, a season. Yeah, yeah. To just, a, a quarter or two. Yeah, just to get us out of a crisis 10 mm-hmm. years later. Yeah. Right, we're like, we're sitting at rampant inflation. Mortgages, like, but they haven't even started to raise rates yet, and mortgages are what, have skyrocketed. We're, right? We just got to the highest level since before the pandemic. Yeah. But you ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, yeah. At this point. This is you ain't seen started. nothing yet. Yeah, we've just scratched the surface at this point. And, yeah, and, th- and the thing is, is, I really wonder how much pain the Federal Reserve can take before they cry uncle, you know, before they say, we were just kidding. We're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to, you know, because like you said, it's supposed to be transitory inflation. Well, technically transitory inflation is prices go up and then they're coming back down. Yeah. And we get close to that place we were. But 
Does anybody think that we're going back to where prices were at the end of 2020? Yeah. Does, anybody, still, does anybody think that? And we're still printing dollars. Yeah. Right. Oh, quantitative easing is still yeah. happening. Yeah. yeah. We're still more loose. And here's the thing. Oh, we're supposed to have four rate hikes next year. Okay. So let's say four rate hikes. Let's say they're all uh, 50 basis points, which is unprecedented. Like they don't yeah. do that at all ever. But let's say they do. It gets us up to 2%. Okay. 2% on the 10-year. And we got inflation that was 7%. So real rates are still negative 5 so you guys just got started here and we still got, uh, and the money is still losing 5% of its value yeah, every who's, year. Who's signing up to buying treasury bonds when you're losing, like, and not to mention, like, literally we could be sitting here six months from now and, and inflation's double digits. Like it's at this impossible. point, we're still printing dollars. We haven't, like, people don't have any idea of how to fight inflation. Right. Back in the seventies when we had this bad inflation, right. They were jacking up interest rates. They'd gone like back then. They went from one year, they went from 3% to 8% to like 17%. Yeah. They were like, they had to jack up rates in order to tamp down that. We got over here, we're talking about, okay, yeah, we'll start doing quarter rate increases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, isn't inflation already 5% higher than what you <laughs> thought it was going to be? What do you think a quarter rate's going to do? What, uh, would that, what, a, what would 0.5 do? Nothing. Yeah. And none of these people were in charge back then. They have no idea. Yeah. Right, yeah. you're still printing. You're like, hey, instead of five trillion, it's only print three trillion. Yeah. You're still printing. The number still rising. Dollars. Yeah, the number still rising. You're increasing exactly. our money supply. All exactly. The time. Yeah. So, and I got to give you credit, man. Actually, I thought about this right before you showed up. We talked about this. I don't even know if we talked about it on the podcast. Technically, we might yeah. have talked about it afterwards. But yeah, you made an analogy when it came to inflation, and this—I mean, this had to be eighteen. This probably yeah. had to be two years ago, actually. Yeah, we had this really at this point. This, I, yeah. yeah, and yeah, you said it's like a garden hose, you know, and it's like it's got a kink in it, yeah. and the water's turned on, and it builds up, and it builds up, and it builds up, and eventually that kink's going to come loose, and it might have taken a while, might have taken longer than you thought, but it's going to all burst out at that point. Yeah. And yeah, at this point, right now, now they're going to go back to the, the where the hose is, right? And they're going to start turning it off. And you're like, that water left the that water left the spigot a long time ago. Exactly. There's <laughs> nothing you can do. No, and that's what I was going to say. The inflation we're seeing now. This is this is stuff from 18 months ago. This, this we're probably seeing this the is inflation stuff from 10 years ago. I, I mean, you're, yeah, it could be. You're right, but I think this stuff from like even a few years ago. We've got we've got years of inflation to get through the $20 trillion that we've printed in the last 10 years or something. I, I don't know what that number is, but it's a massive number. Yeah. Like yeah. way unprecedented. And we're like, we were just printing dollars because we kept printing it going, hey, I don't see it causing inflation. Let's, so let's print more. Yeah. Another yeah. $3 trillion, another $5 trillion. Let's make everything free. Why not just print everything? Yeah. Right. And then suddenly we see inflation start. We're like, oh, oh, that passed 2% in a hurry. Yeah. Six, 5%, 6%, 7%. Like, uh, like yeah, we're suffering the taxes from our from our excess from the past. Yeah, yeah, no, this the stuff the stuff that's coming down the line for us right now, this is years back. Yeah. This is years back. And so yeah, like you said, we're still we're still easing, you know, we're still printing more money right now. So it's gonna be years before we see that. Yeah. You know, but that tells you we're in for the long haul here, unfortunately. And again, like you said, a fifty basis point rate hike, which is unprecedented in modern history in the last ten years. They never do that. It's always yeah. a quarter. You know, but if we did, it's, it's a drop in the bucket. It's, it it's a drop in the bucket. It's, it's nothing. You have to completely get out in front of this. You can't put this genie back in the bottle with a couple of quarter point rate hikes. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. And do we have a Paul Volcker that we can count on to raise interest rates up to 
to 15% have the courage to do what's basically going to tank the economy. I have my doubts. I, don't, I have my doubts about it. I don't. I, honestly, I don't think we'll have someone who has the courage until we have interest rates that people can't deny. Mm-hmm. And not interest, I mean uh, inflation rates. Yeah. Because right now people are hurting by it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think what we'll see is though it very realistically could double. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's the thing. Like maybe they'll cry uncle and they'll try to reverse rates because, yeah, it, rising rates is terrible for everything. Like I see it again with, with the loans that are falling out of my yeah. girl's work and people are saying, oh, maybe I'll just wait till they go down. It, well, if they never go down, then you're going to be waiting forever. But uh, I think they're going to eventually don't say, uncle. Don't wait, people. Yeah. Don't no, wait. don't wait. <laughs> if you can lock in, lock in now. It's only going to get worse. Yeah. But uh, but I think, you know, there's going to be there's going to be people that don't realize it. And eventually they're going to change course, I feel. I feel like they're going to take a certain amount of pain and they're going to say, oh, we can't do this anymore. Because they don't want to be responsible. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if jacking up interest rates is the thing that crashed the economy... They don't want that. They don't want that on their hands. Yeah. But at, at the same time, that's really the only way that you can take care of this. But so if they do, if they do change course, and they say, okay, okay, we're just kidding, we're just kidding, we're not going to raise rates for this stuff. The dollar is going to go through the floor. Oh yeah. It's going to completely crash through the floor, and eventually, that's going to bring rates up regardless. Yeah. Because if the if the dollar loses its value, people are going to say, well, we're not buying your bonds. We're, we we want more money for that. Yeah. We want more money for that. There's no way this is a losing bet for us. And so it might delay the problem. But we'll be back in this boat. But you know of high why that will rates. make just inflation even worse? Because now you have all these people who have been, you know, just trillions and trillions sitting in these low investment treasury bonds. Now imagine when inflation goes like unchecked. You have all these banks. How long do you think they're going to be happy making one percent, two percent, right? If you get double digit inflation, they're going to be like, I need to put that money in some. I need to push it out into places where I can get a better rate. Yeah. And so they're going to be pushing it down into. Here's free money. Take more loans, please. Companies where you take more, like anything that they can do to get a higher, higher interest rate than this like piddly few percent, because sitting on that cash is costing them money. It, it, it's a it's a guaranteed loser. And that's where you, you just start start seeing free dollars everywhere. Inflation goes from being a slight problem to insane, and mm-hmm. that's when the, that that hose fully unkinks. And that water starts coming and, out, and then we have, oh my God. And we're all getting hit in the face with it. Yeah, we got 40 years of bad mm-hmm. monetary policy now that we're going to have to suffer through an ingener- a generation worth, probably, yeah. in order for it to finally get itself righted again. It, it, I mean, it, it it's crazy to say it, but this could be a decade-long problem that we're facing here at this yeah. point. It could be 10 to 20 years. I mean, people, like you're saying, a lot of these people that work at the banks, maybe yeah. they've never seen that stuff before. A lot of these like day traders and crypto guys, these guys, a lot of these guys, they've never seen a market downturn, period. Yeah, exactly. You know, they've never seen more than a 5 6 per, 6% correction ever have no in their life. no idea what a crash really looks like. No idea. They, you just buy, and it's eventually going to go up. Yep. You know, you'll make money. Who cares? Get in there. You always make money in the long term. Yeah. You know, the long term can be 20, 30 years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, even some of our parents don't know that. You know, they don't realize yeah. the days of the 1940s, 1950s where, yeah, I mean, the Great Depression, I think it took 20-something years to yeah. get back to, for the market to get back to where it was uh, before the crash. I mean, can you imagine that now? You know, maybe yeah. we're there. We could be there. Who knows? The the Nasdaq after today, it's off ten percent. Which, you know, just we the start. It, it, I mean, yeah. it, it could easily just just be the start of things. That's mm-hmm. that's all. So, I mean, who knows? But again, yeah, these people have never even anticipated, never even seen it. This is completely foreign to them. They just the last ten years, it's just been buy, hold, and you're gonna get rich. Yep. In the story. 
yeah, it's, uh, I think we're, um, the, we have made such bad economic policies as a country, right? And part of it is that the Fed, which was supposed to be the watchdog of the dollar, right, of our monetary policy, they became a political organization. They became incredibly influenced on, hey, we can't ever do anything that will hurt the short term because it will make, we will feel pressure from the, from the executive branch. Yep. yep. And so they were always doing what would help. And the executive branch of what is always concerned about what? The next election. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. They care about what will help right now. Yeah. Right? And this is both sides who are guilty of this. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. 100%. And, and they'll be like, whatever is expedient to make it look, to help the economy now. And who wants to sacrifice the now for the later? Yeah. That's why they, they were supposed to be the grown up in the room who would say, I know this sucks now, but we have to slow the economy down because otherwise this is really going to suck later. Instead, now we've had, what, 20, 30 years of loose economic policy. Last 10 years have been insane. Yeah. Right, just pumping money into the economy like there was no tomorrow, as if we would never have any effects on this. And these are the people who, you, you think that these are the brightest, smartest people? A year ago, they said they were going to try to get 2% and we're at 7 Yeah. So they weren't just slightly off. Like, they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, they're off by a factor of three. Yeah, and yeah. these same ones are now going to say, don't worry, we're going to let mortgage rates go up slowly. Well, what, mortgage rates have had their fastest increase in like 20 years in the last month? Yeah. It's like yeah, and four-week pro- They They act span. like they can control these things, and they can't. Yeah. They, the last the last adult in the room was clearly Paul Volcker. I yes. Mean, th- that, that was the last one, you know. We had Greenspan, and I mean, I guess I guess he wasn't the worst, but he wasn't great. And then you had Bernanke, and then we had the Great Crash in 08, and they did quantitative easing. And he said he sat up in Congress in front of Congress, and he said, "This is all just temporary. Temporarily, we're going to buy some bonds, we're going to buy some mortgage-backed assets, and this is temporary. And once things kind of chill out and cool off, then we're going to sell it back. Then we're going to sell it back, and and it'll be fine." And okay, well, so he, years later, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he ran, he ran the the Fed's uh, balance sheet up to four and a half trillion. Uh, okay, we got rid of some of it. What did we get down to three point nine trillion? And uh, where are we at now? Um, uh, about eight, eight and a half, eight and a half. No, you, uh, Bernanke, you checked us in to a monetary roach motel that we can never get out of. Yep. There's no way that we get out of this without some serious economic pain. Absolutely, I think. Um, we're going to have a generation that learns, unfortunately, the hard way of what does inflation really do to an economy. Mm-hmm. It's been like, right now, people, inflation is a theoretical idea. People go, yeah, I think it's bad. They're just starting to feel when they go, hey, wait, chickens, how much more? Right? You know, they yeah. starting to look now and go, wow, things are starting to feel a little tighter in the, in the, in the budget, right? And that's one year's worth, yeah. right? You know, and so we go, hey, that was one increase. And you're like, well, what happens when it hit the second year and then the third year and the mm-hmm. fourth year? Right. That's when suddenly people start going, how many more 10 percent plus increases on the things that you buy every day? Can you handle without your top line going up before you go, OK, this really, really sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's unfortunately what what we're about to see is what we go. What's that going to do to us socioeconomically, politically? Right when suddenly we have an environment of high inflation, it's gonna re- it's gonna change people's priorities. There's countless countless empires of the past that have that have fallen primarily because of inflation. Yeah, countless empires. I mean, it's happened time and time again. You look at basically every fiat currency in the past, and they basically all crashed. 
yep. eventually at some point they lose 99% of their value. You know, it, it just constantly happens. I was at the gas station on the way home today, and luckily for my, my work pays for the gas since I'm driving the company car, $48 to fill the car up when I got to do that twice a week almost, wow. most weeks. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. The price of oil all week long, the price of a barrel of oil has gone up all week. So that's not even in, again, we're talking about down the line. So that's not even in the equation. Get higher. That's not even in the equation. And I paid four thirty nine. Yeah. I'm just like, holy shit. This is, you look back to 08 when it got bad and you know, the price of a barrel of oil back then got to about 145, 147. I think it was that at the high, even back then the, the price you were paying per gallon was like maybe 460. Yeah. So we're less than 10% off of the high for the price of distilled gasoline and yet the price of a barrel of oil is at $86 right now. So what's it going to be like this time around when a, a barrel of oil is $150 if we get to that point? What's, what are you going to be paying at the pump there? Seven bucks? Eight yeah. bucks? I mean, and yeah, like you said, this is all just down the line. You know, we have no clue. You know, we've, we've dealt with essentially since the rates went that high back in the 80s, we essentially haven't had to deal with anything over 2% in any given year, really, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part. And, but at the same time, when you go, you know, 30 years, not having to deal with that, it can't last forever. Yep. And you're going to come to a point and we got to make up for some lost time now, unfortunately. And you saw what, you see what Ikea announced what, a few weeks ago? They just said 9% price increases across the board. Just anything and everything? Every, they, every, whatever they were selling, 9% more. Right. And so you go, I, Ikea is a good benchmark because like, let, let's be honest, Ikea is not selling top end furniture. Right. Ikea is the, hey, we make you assemble it. And so we can offer it at these prices. Mm -hmm. And so like they're, they're looking for the, hey, this is pretty good for the money. Yeah. But when they have to go 9%, it means that that's because they had to go 9% increase. Yeah. Well, and we had 7% last year. And if you ask my opinion, I think there was a lot of businesses out there who said, you know what? This is supposed to be transitory. It's going to stop. Whatever. We'll hold off on the price increases, you know, and just wait. We don't want to lose market share. Yeah. So we'll just wait until the prices go back down because everybody's telling us it's transitory. And then we'll, you know, we'll just be back to normal. We'll take that hit for in the short term. Yeah. Well, I think these businesses are going to understand that it's not transitory anymore. And they're going to say, hey, yeah, last year we didn't hit the price. Yeah. Um, so we gotta, we're going to have to go twice as hard in the paint this year. And so now you're going to see this double hit of, Homes are getting more expensive. Price of goods are getting more expensive. Interest rates are going up, right? It's it's going to start putting the squeeze on people like in a way that they haven't felt in 30, 40 years. So it's um, so I have a feeling that we're about to see some some more a lot more difficult times than we have in the past. Well, and, and we talk about crime issues and everything, and when you got people who are actually going to start struggling because of this. Like, yeah, it's, it, again, there, it's going to be exponential in all of those categories. The mm -hmm. inflation is going to be expo exponential. The rise in crime is going to be exponential. I mean, uh, the crash in the dollar is going to be, ex I mean, it's all just, it, we're, we're ready for takeoff here, basically. It's, it's wheels up in about an hour here. And what has government's answer been so far? Hey, I know things are more expensive, but don't worry. We're going to start giving you more free stuff to kind of, uh, you know, offset the balance. Which is a great idea, right? Because when they say free stuff, they don't, you know, everybody climbs. They're like, hey, who, you're going to be taxing somebody. Who's going to be paying for this? And the answer is nobody. Like, like 
we we spend twice as much as what we've taxed, right? And that has been the case now for for what over ten years. Yeah. Like we don't come close to bringing in the tax revenues of what we actually spend. Mm -hmm. So all the stuff that we're spending, mm -hmm. what where, where do you think that comes from? It's just printed dollars. Yeah. Right. Nobody's being taxed. We have to go print dollars, and so now things are getting more expensive because of inflation. Because we printed all these dollars, government's answer is. Well, let's just go print some more. Let's yeah. just make it worse. Yeah, build back better. That'll help inflation. Out. Yeah, another five trillion dollars of printed yeah. dollars. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it turns out, you know who the tax, the inflation taxes the most, which is the poor. Bum, 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 bum. It's the most regressive bum. tax. The people, the people that you espouse and claim that you care the most about. Yes. Those people that you care the most about. Those are the ones who are most disproportionately yeah. affected by because this. Because the highest percentage of their income is food and items. And they have to, because they're, so they're not worried about, hey, my investments are going down. They're like, hey, I'm just trying to eat here mm -hmm. and pay for rent and mortgage and my utilities and everything's going through the roof. Yeah. Right? And you're making life incredibly harder for them by printing dollars is your solution. Yeah. And my salary for the last five years is up about 5%. Yeah. And by the yeah. way, you're not the first government in history to think that you can just print dollars and give it to the poor and somehow that'll make you loved. Yeah. That strategy has been tried a lot and the results have always been the same, which is you've tanked their economy, driven them into poverty, and they will hate you for it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You're never getting out of that death spiral. So, yeah, I know. And that's the thing, like when you say the poor people and, and, I, and I don't... I don't consider myself a rich person by any means. Don't get me wrong, but I've seen this coming. We talked about this a while ago. I own stocks in oil companies. Yeah. So I look at the pump. I see myself paying $50 potentially twice a week. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. Well, I need to do something to counteract that. Yeah. So what I'm going to, so what I've done is I went out and bought shares of an oil company that pay a good dividend. Mm -hmm. And so that price keeps rising in oil. They're going to keep paying me some money for that. So one of the best ways to hedge for inflation is you're, you're buying commodities. Exactly, and, and oil the, is a great commodity. And the, and if that price keeps going up, they're going to keep paying me more. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to feel the pinch when I'm paying at the pump, but on the back end, I'm getting a little something back. So it's like maybe I'm getting close to breaking even here for the year. Who well, knows? There's a term that you've mentioned, right? That a lot of people below thirty don't know. Let's say, let's be honest, below forty don't know, which is yield. Mm. They're like, what's a yield? You're like, yeah. Did you know that stocks used to give money back? <laughs> did, was, you know that, did you know that savings accounts used to pay you money for them? Yeah. It's like, they're like, a yield? I mean, like, I thought a stock just went up because it went up in value. Like, no, it used to be like you bought a share in a company and you get some of the profits. Mm -hmm. It would be a value, right? A yield is suddenly, like, when inflation goes up, you're going to see people stop going, hey, what's the latest tech stock that pays me nothing? And start going, That hey, loses money. Oh, there's power companies that offer yields. And then you're going to see all these names of companies that they'd never heard before because guess what? They offer yields. Mm -hmm. And they're not sexy. Yeah. Right? You don't, like right now people buy stocks because they, they that's like, hey, it makes me look cool because I, you know. Yeah. I, I oh, they have this Uber new fin, fintech technology. Yeah. You know, or self-driving or they're, they're part of the metaverse. They're selling NFTs. Yeah. So everything, it's a statement about, you know, who you are by the stock you own. Rather than you're like, hey, is it just a good company that has a high yield and pays you a lot of money mm -hmm. because they're safe and they make good economic decisions? Like that, that has been so unsexy for the longest time. High yield stocks have not been invested in in decades. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, it's like depending on how much you own, I'm at the point, you know, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I feel like I could get close to breaking even as far as those two things are considered. It, it'll as least, far as it'll what I'm spending here. And it, exactly. I'll, I'll yeah. be close, you know, another 100 or 200. Okay, hopefully I can deal with that. 
you know, but... And at but, least you know that when you have to pay more for gas, that at least some of that will come back in the yield that you get. At some <laughs> point, a little bit of that coinage will yeah. return to your pocket. Yeah. And and that's and that's what you got to do, unfortunately, yeah. you know. I've been a big proponent of gold and silver for years now. Yep. You know, I've probably lost a friendship or two over it just because I don't ever shut up about it. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, again... This is what it comes down to for me. I said we maybe find some common ground in the fact that government screws everything up. I've always had that view that government is going to screw everything up. That's always been my that's always been my stance. I'm just wondering: is there a bunch of people who maybe will come down that path with me? You know, maybe we don't have to we don't have to call them conservatives. We don't have to call them Republicans, but just maybe come down the path of hey, government's probably going to screw it up for you. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it actually makes sense over here. Government's it, made pretty, it kind of sucks. Pretty bad so far. Yeah, it's not great over here. I'm not gonna lie, but you know, I mean, sometimes you got to take the red pill. You know. Yeah. Well, and then we're gonna have to figure out the barter system all over again. How do we start trading for goods and services? The problem is, like, people used to be good at stuff. Yeah, I think yeah they like, produce things. You know, during the Great Depression, you know, I'd always hear the stories of like my grandfather would be like, ah, oh, they would sell eggs, and then somebody would make violins or give music lessons. I'd be like, man, is it like what would the average person under forty like know how to do now? Who's not in trade? <laughs> They'd be like, uh, I guess we'd all be sex workers or something, and not very good at that. And, yeah, and not very yeah. good ones. Yeah, we'll just all have an OnlyFans account, you know? Yeah. Like it'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'm just not sure what people would be trading in the barter market at this point. Yeah. I'm guessing organs. Oh, yeah. I, and I had that conversation actually with a coworker of mine. And I was like, I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, okay. Here's the question, though. We go back to the barter system. How many chickens is a five-gallon tank of propane worth? <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll find out in the barter market, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, only time's going to tell here, but... You know, that's, that's the problem with the barter market. It's a, how do you fucking value? I mean, that's that's the beauty of money is it's a common denomination for all the stuff. You yeah. know, people people say, oh, we just, and that's the whole, that's the part of this whole problem is, oh, we just print money. We just print money. We just print money. We'll be fine. MMT, it'll be fine. We'll solve all our problems. Money is not what we need. We don't need money. Money doesn't make our lives better. Money is simply how we decide how we split up all the resources between yes. everybody. That's all that money does. You can't eat money. You can't put it in your gas tank. You can't do anything with it. it money is just the how we decide who gets how much of the resources. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the barter system, though. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm not open to it at all. You know, it could be kind of fun. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty good haggler, to be honest. I'm mostly, I'm... Uh... I'd probably barter comic books at this point. I'm trying to figure out what what do I have? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah. I better be good at my job because if I lose my job, like, <laughs> if I have to go to, like, work for a living, like, doing something, some sort of trade, I'm like, I have a feeling my family's going to starve. I'm, like, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Start making some ulterior plans now. Yeah. I know. I know. I'm trying to get my... Uh... Trying to get my girl's uh, craft business off the ground. See, there you, you know? go. I'm like, hey, this is something. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of the stuff is pretty reasonably priced, and yeah. you know, there's a demand for it. The, I think do the that age of making things, like, you know, when was you know, when was the last time, you know, it used to be forever that they'd always have like the dress kits. You know, you make your own clothes, mm-hmm. right? And how weird does that sound today? Of like, yeah, you just sew your own clothing. People be like, what is this little house on the prairie? <laughs> Yeah, give me a break. No way. It's not going to happen. I mean, me, I try to think about 
I don't even understand how a sewing machine works. Yeah. Like, how does it goes below and then it comes back up and then yeah. it goes back down below? You're like, I how does that even work? I know. It's just some sort of mystical science of like. It's yeah. magic at this point, basically. You know, like we've been away from it for so long. It just, it just seems like magic. Yeah. I, we're gonna have some of the ugliest fashion for a decade. <laughs> As people are that like, de- that decade's already. They're started. watching the YouTube video, you know, of the, you know, at. You know, I think, yeah, we're going to watch the YouTube video for how to make your own clothes. And the first generation of people trying it, it's going to look pretty, it's going to look pretty horrendous. I'm so, certain we're already two years into that decade. We got to be. I mean, With these holy jeans I see everywhere. Yeah. It, it's like, there's more holes than you got jeans there. Yeah. Well, I think the hipsters will, even they'll have, they'll be hard pressed to come up with styles this bad. It's, it'll be tough. Yeah. It'll be tough. It'll be, yeah. It'll be the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl well, all over again. Already, I don't understand how restaurants even exist anymore. Like, I make good income, and I can barely stand to go to a restaurant when I'm like, wait, how much did it cost for the four of us to get a mediocre dinner? Yeah. I mean, like, not even great. I mean, yeah. spending over 100 bucks for just average, like, non-special food without even an alcoholic drink Yeah. now is, like, it's just standard. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wait... I just don't understand why at some point restaurants, like it's not that I have anything against them, but you're like, when you're thinking about what do I need to cut out? I'm like, well, you know, I could eat at home for like the next three or four days. Yeah. Or I could go out to a restaurant once. You're like, hmm. Ah, Pretty soon four restaurant visits in a month could be a car payment. It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. We, uh, my niece and nephew, I offered to take them bowling. We we're supposed to go bowling this Saturday. And we were looking up different spots. They have this place called Bolero. It's up in uh, Linwood. Yeah. Up 164th. Nice bowling alley. They revamped it. You know, new age thing. Probably like two years ago. Probably right at the start of the pandemic. <laughs> I was looking it up. You got to make a reservation to go on a Saturday night. You know what I mean? Because that's prime time for them, obviously. Looking to make a reservation. Like, oh, yeah, type in your people and type how long you want to be there. Two and a half hours for six of us. Three hundred and twenty dollars. Oh my god! Three hundred and twenty. a lot more expensive than I remember. For two and a half hours of entertainment. I guess me bringing my ten or twenty spot is not gonna, no longer gonna cover it. That'll get you shoes. It. That'll yeah. get your shoes, rental. You know, you'll be able to wear some stinky clogs for that. I was, I was blown away. I well, like, I think bowling, at least bowling, does help you understand inflation more. Because have you ever played like the little ticket game in the bowling carnival? Like you know, like you know where they have like you know how many tickets you need in order to get the stuffed animal you'll realize how inflation works you're like wait i need about ten thousand tickets right for the stuffed to, animal that costs them twenty dollars yeah then you start to realize very quickly that the price of the value of a ticket is worth is worth just about nothing yeah dude i was blown away i was like i was like i like these kids they're great kids i don't like them that much yeah 320 bucks yeah that's, no no that's like that's like three days that's like four or that's like at least two days of work you know yeah, like this is around the time, you see, this is why we're in the next few years where people are going to be like, well, how tough would it be to build my own bowling alley? <laughs> that's true. That's true. Like, it get, the pain gets so severe. Yeah. Like, I'll, You're like, I'll just make my own. I'm like, in the backyard? I mean, come on. I can yeah. make a little pin set, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or you like, this strip mall has been empty for three years now, yeah. you know? Maybe we'll just do a little pocket alley here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the cycle. That's how yeah. the cycle works, you know? 
you get all the old companies that weren't doing it properly and they just die off eventually, which we haven't done in, a, you know, like we said, a, basically a decade. Yeah. You know, no fail, no flailing company has died for years now. They just got government checks handed to them. AMC, that that stock loses like, is losing like $8 a share right now. But, yeah. you know, six months ago they were at like an all-time high though. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. It's like GameStop. Yeah. What stock should go sky, skyrocketing to $400 a share? How about the next blockbuster? That's what should <laughs> yes. be this yeah. generation's blockbuster should be the one stock that had like the short squeeze that drew the you know the stock went to four hundred dollars a share. Yeah, right. Yeah. At some point, you're like, why? Like everything still has to be a gimmick. And they're like, and they're like, well, we're fighting the power, man. We're fighting the power. I'm like, okay, hey, you keep fighting, bud. You keep fighting. Do yourself a favor. Uh, when the music stops, make sure there's a chair close. All yeah. right. Because somebody's not getting one. Yeah, no, on the message boards there, the true believers are like, we'll never sell. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because when it's worth 75 cents a share, yeah. it's not really worth selling. Yeah, there's no point at that yeah. point. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it, everything's just got, everything's just been so inverted. Well, you inflation know? will help us determine what are the things that we really didn't need. Mm -hmm. Because when suddenly your dollars get constrained, you start making some severe priorities in your life about really what you what you need and what you don't need. Yeah. And you want to see companies that start to flail and go out of business? That would be them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Peloton just announced they're they're halting all production of all their products. Yeah. You know, they just they just announced like a week ago that they were going to raise prices because of inflation. They just said inflation in general. You know, they didn't give a specific. How do you example. raise price on a three thousand dollars bike or four thousand? Whatever, whatever the cost is of that. I mean, that's that's the thing exactly. And you, but you're going to halt production too at the same time. Yeah. You're going to raise the price and halt production. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, that seems like that's a lo good long term strategy there. Raise the price, uh, produce more or produce less. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that that could be a winner. Yeah. That could be a winner. Sure. Yeah, I think they're the first of what we will see many, which is as inflation continues to go up, people are like, am I still really in the market for spending three, $4,000 on a bike that doesn't take me to the market? <laughs> like, you know, maybe buying a real bike for a hundred bucks. Because not only would you, not only would you get in shape, mm -hmm. right? But then you're not going to be spending the, the arm and a leg on gas now. Exactly. Exactly. And then you want to spend $320 at the bowling alley. Yeah. You know, you have something to keep yourself entertained with. You know how much money I'm going to save just because I'm working from home this next year? Like if I was having to drive my hour long commute into Redmond, I was thinking about how much on the with gas prices skyrocketing. I was like, just working like there's no incentive for me to ever go back to work i have to go like I, not even your family yeah like no sorry like, sorry you know, guys i love you no. but it's not myrtle, enough part of the reason i'm moving to myrtle beach is that like there's everything i need is within a mile from me yeah yeah like is... i'm just gonna buy a bike i mean just, yeah do it dude for sure and just you know live the beach life because like you know at this point you know, and after about a year, I'm going to be like, oh, I, I won't be able to afford to ever go back. Like, yeah. I'll never be able to afford to, like, driving someplace will be like, hey, so, you know, do we want to go down to see Charleston? I'll be like, that'll be about a $140 round trip. <laughs> like, you know, like, like we have to kind of decide, okay, once a year, we're going to bring the family in and we'll go, mm -hmm. you know, go tour something a few hours from now. It's like, yeah. but other than that, it's like. Yeah. And you're, and you're like, once we get to the city, we're walking. Yeah. Okay, we're parking and then we're going to walk around yeah. the city. Yeah, there, there's no sightseeing from the side of the car, <laughs> right? And I'm not leaving the car running from you when you run into the store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Exactly. It's, 
oh man, you know, I hate to be pessimistic and I try to, but at the same time, I've been talking about this for a while and, um, you know, how I feel about this whole situation is not going to have one iota. Well, uh, I felt like we were, I was really it. pessimistic the last time I was in here mm-hmm. and it was pretty much right on. I mean, like, <laughs> we were, we were early to the party, but, yeah. but this is a party that you definitely want to show up before anybody yeah. else yeah. shows up there. You want to be part sure. of the first waves. Yeah. yeah. You, like exactly, exactly. To bring it full circle. Yeah. You want to be part of that first wave. Exactly. Yeah. You can, you can, uh, you can afford to be a little bit early on yeah. this one. So on this one, that was uh, basically what I told the wife when we, when, reason like because we bought a house sight unseen didn't see the house never never been in the town never been in the state right but i just had this feeling and i was like beth this is the last hurrah if we're gonna buy something we need to lock it in now Mm -hmm. right and i don't know it's just one of those feelings and i did that and now i'm looking back and like in two months difference going right now if i locked it in today versus two months ago my my mortgage payment would be over 500 dollars more per month just 500 500 dollars more per month wow Right, and I was just like, okay, it was a high-risk, ballsy move. Maybe I'll totally regret it, but five hundred bucks a month already in the bank. I mean, that's that's a big that's a big plus in in your plus column already. Yeah. So so now I'm just going. All right, all the people who went, you're insane. I went, maybe, maybe it's possible. But yeah. five hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Five hundred bucks a month. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So. And that's the thing too, yeah. The whole refinancing game, like that, that game might be over for a I, long oh yeah. time. If you're in the refinancing biz, time. well, you might get a few people who need to get that last bit of money out of their home to survive. But yeah. once that's done, yeah. But those people, they're probably going to default. Yeah. So <laughs> let's that's, be honest here. That's the first step towards defaulting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's. I mean, we'll see what happens, man. It, like, like all my most dire predictions. I would have no problem being wrong about it. Okay, I I would have no qualms about being completely off. Society will be better off if we're wrong. Yeah, yeah, I would love it. I would love nothing to say. Man, I fucking screwed the pooch on that one. So, but we'll see. Only time will tell. Um, we got to wrap this thing up, Seth. Seth, thank you for coming in. I want to give you a proper send off. You know, you guys are. If you guys didn't pick up on it, this guy's making a cross country move here in less than two weeks here. So he's, he's heading out to the East Coast. Um, I, I, I gave you some credit about the inflation thing. We talked about that before, so I think we were on point on that. Well done. Uh, you've definitely been one of the most popular guests we've had. Oh, you know, really? People have liked you. Yeah, it's been a while. You know, we had, yeah. a, we had a little bit of a dry spell there. But, um, yeah, you've definitely been one of the most popular guests we've had on the podcast, so that's been great. They've all been really engaging, really entertaining conversations. And, uh, yeah, like you said, man, you might be on the first wave here. You might be a goddamn innovator, you know, who knows? You might be on the cutting edge of where all, all the action is going to be at here in two or three years. Well, who knows? I'm, telling you, well I'm, I'm telling you this now, right? I think we should do a live on location Myrtle beach podcast. So if, uh, you know, we'll be four houses from the beach. We have our own, I have a pool house waiting for you with your name on it. <sighs> so you come man. on out, we'll do a podcast on location. You know, I was thinking about it and if we did change this to the East Coast podcast, we technically don't even have to change the letters. You know, Emerald City. There you go. East Coast. Yeah. You know, it's easy. Set. Although, I wonder how much that check bag fee is going to be to get all the equipment out there. <laughs> that, that is, <laughs> we might be priced out on that one. It could be $300 for a check bag by yeah, then. Yeah, maybe. Although, I'm seeing some of your equipment here. I bet we could... <laughs> 
I bet on the barter. On, you get on the carry on. On the barter system, I think we'll, we'll, we'll do all right. That's true. <laughs> as long as we have, you know, maybe a half dozen chickens, yeah, yeah. we should be probably about right. And by the way, I'm pretty sure the Emerald City is going to have to cash in those emeralds pretty soon to, uh, like. Uh, do we still have those? I'm not sure. Yeah, they might have. You might want to check to see if those are real emeralds at this point. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's yeah, just that's, glass. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Those, those might be cubic zirconians. Yeah. Who knows? So, but yeah, thank you, man. Uh, good luck. It's been great, and and yeah, I'll definitely we'll definitely be on our way out uh, soon. I never I never been out. To, actually, I shouldn't say never. We went to Peru earlier or late last year. Yeah, and we did have a layover in Miami for oh oh. So you've been down in the for southeast. a couple hours. Yeah. So you know, not to brag, but I did get a good solid. 15 minutes on the beach yeah you know so i feel like i have a pretty good idea of what's going on yeah. out there you, you know you looked I, at it and you said uh, you well technically then you've done more research than i have <laughs> for the uh, move so oh my god i feel like i got a pretty good sense of what was going on no, there. good i'll take you know, your word for it in, in the one drink i was there oh okay. you know i i feel like i pretty much figured it out All so right. yeah no maybe i'll have to tell you a thing or two here we'll see but who knows? But uh, yeah, good luck. Good luck to you, man. Uh, thanks for coming out. We appreciate it. It's been fun. And like I said, yeah, this this you know it might be a while, but this won't be it. You Got know, it. I, I, I'm I'm confident in saying this won't be it. So we'll definitely get it going here at some point soon. But uh, thank you guys for joining us. You know, the, the theme of this guys is just is is get prepared. Get prepared for all this stuff, you guys. You know, start having a, a backup plan. Start having a plan B. You know, if things keep deteriorating like they very well could, have something in place. You know, get yourself ready. Have some food prepared. Who knows? I've been seeing a lot of empty shelves at the stores. And just have a plan for yourselves, you guys. You know, this whole pandemic has showed us that the government was not going to take care of you. They are going to tell you that they could take care of you and that they're going to solve your problems. But they are lying to you, you guys. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, everybody's got to look out for themselves, okay? Even the money that they're giving you and saying, here, this this, this will get you what you want, even that is going to fail you at some point. I mean, it's just a matter of time here. So um, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate it. Seth, you got any parting words for, for the audience here? That's Anything it. you want to leave them with? No, I, I think you gave them some good words of wisdom. I would say um, uh, be a science skeptic. Be an economic skeptic. What are you talking about? Ask questions. <laughs> Is this guy's a complete, complete conspiracy theorist? Yeah, no, it's a, yeah, just, you know, do the research for yourself. You guys, we're not, we're not scientists. You're not going to be in the lab with beakers, but you can do a Google search and try to find out some things that maybe they didn't want to tell you. Maybe it wasn't part of uh, the agenda for the news that night. So do your own research. Take care of yourself. You guys get prepared. Take care of your family. Do what you got to do and uh let's hunker down let's hope i'm wrong and who knows maybe at the end of all this maybe after a little bit of pain we might be in a better place all in all because of it i i'm still optimistic and i'm still going to take that with you guys so do what you got to do take care of yourselves you guys and then you don't have to worry when you gotta when you got things in place for yourself and when you're looking out for yourself you don't have to count on anybody and that is true freedom you guys okay thank you guys for joining us we appreciate it emerald city podcast we will talk with you guys soon.